0: What's up, guys? If you're on Spotify right now, please follow the show so that you don't miss any future episodes and leave a five-star review. Thank you.
1: She was in Cal Neva. I was sent to go listen to what was going on. Cal Neva was a gaming in Lake Tahoe on the California border. So you can come in on California and go in. What happened was that they brought her up there because John... Gave her to Bobby Because Bobby said you got to stay away From B- Marilyn For the first couple of years You're a Catholic president And with that said They were going to try To hook her up with Bobby So they had her room set up But like blackmail Exactly Like they did with Jay Hoover So unbeknownst to us We don't know this Now sun's setting Sinatra's telling them What they want her to do She goes crazy I'm not having nothing To do with these Kennedys They're, they're this, they're that She starts screaming she, I'm going to the press I'm going to disclose These Catholics In the other. Yeah, so now I'm I come back to New York. You tell me what happened. He said they're gonna kill him.
0: Johnny, you are officially the best dressed guy I've ever had in here, man. You, you are dressed to the nines.
1: <laughs> well, I also own a clothing line. This is La Cosa Mia by Gianni.
0: La Cosa Mia. That's what it's called. Yep. I like that. How long have you had that?
1: Seven years. Wow.
0: Yeah. By the way, you can lose the headphones if you want. Just stick them right over there. Make it easier. Yeah, was what it I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to mess up the hair.
1: Oh, not even. It's not even mess up the hair. I don't want to look like a fucking Mickey Mouse. you. <laughs>
0: So wait, where where do you where do you make your clothes? Are they made overseas or, or all here? Oh yeah,
1: no, all, all in Europe. My shoes, everything are made from Spain. Oh wow! These jackets in Milan.
0: Wow! And you got some good ice too. I see you are you are well. What's well, out out right there. You got some ice on on the on the finger. What's what's that big one right there? Hello. What a, is that?
1: It's a fourteen carat diamond.
0: <laughs> some wars fought over that stuff, right? That's there.
1: That's about a, about a main five. <laughs>
0: How do you when did you get that?
1: I bought that for myself when I was 70, 10 years ago. You're 80 years old? I'll be 81 on December 12th.
0: You are looking spry, man. I hope I look like you when I'm 80. Well, you will. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I work out a lot and I'm I'm trying to keep the age I don't off. do
1: any working out. You do nothing. Nothing. I what, do what's tai your chi and I walk three miles a day.
0: Well, that's working out. Well,
1: walking that's great. I get dressed and I walk Madison Avenue.
0: <laughs> that's great for you. Walking's amazing. oh no, so I many... mean
1: That's what keeping me going.
0: So many people just sit around all day. That's oh, that's no. how you age. I
1: never did that. No. That's great. Well, I, that's from polio when I was a kid. I that's walked. right. You had polio. So that, I mean, how did yeah. that happen? God only knows. It was a big epidemic.
0: So this was this would have been like the late forties. Was mm-hmm. my math was, right? Yeah, it was
1: August. August, mine was uh, August 7th, 1949. Wow. I had it for five years.
0: Now, was it the type of thing where you just woke up,
1: wait, five years you had it? Yeah. Whoa. Was that- I just woke up and just didn't move. Couldn't move. Uh, My my right side had all the strength, but I was was sleeping in a, a utility closet at the time. So I can only get up on the left side, and the left side happened to be where I got afflicted, my whole left side.
0: Oh, so it wasn't. It could be. I didn't know that. It could be by the side. Oh, so your right side's moving, but your yeah, left side not. It could be
1: respiratory. Not. It could be. That's why some people are in iron lungs. Some people. No, I had no, no mobility and no strength in my left side. Wow. For almost five years.
0: Hey guys, a lot of you have been asking me where we've been posting our shorts. They are on our other YouTube channels, so you can get them on at Julian Dory Clips. Also, Best of JDP, we're going to start posting there again, and our new one, Julian Dory Daily. For now, we're not posting on the main channel with shorts, but that could be happening again soon. On another note, though, if you have not subscribed to this channel, please do that. It is a huge help. 60.3% of you who watched in the month of January were not subscribed. So if we could improve that number with more people hitting the red button, YouTube will put our videos into the algorithm, which will allow us to continue to get great guests like this. So thank you to all of you who have already hit the button. And to the rest of you, please hit it right now. Now, did you... When you woke up, was, it ju- was the only symptom you just couldn't move your left side or did you also like... Did you have a heavy fever? Or were you feeling...
1: No, nothing. I just had no, nothing. There was no feeling. And then my mother and father... My, my father was always a gavon. He said, I'll just give him some aspirin. There must be someone, don't worry about it. And then my mother snuck me out to a clinic downtown and the next thing I could hear my mother crying in the in the kitchen the next day, which I've heard her cry numerous times because my father was an idiot. <laughs> but they were state ambulance drivers came to get me.
0: Whoa. Yeah. Now were they was was this something where they were afraid of catching it? So oh my God! It was highly up and contagious. Everything? Yeah. It
1: was highly contagious. I watched twenty three hundred kids die in five years in a twenty bed ward. So they put you
0: in quarantine for five years straight in Bellevue. Oh, don't leave. Oh, yeah. But so what? What are you doing during that? You just sitting in bed the whole time.
1: And it's not like hospitals now. There was no, no television. There was nothing. No,
0: it's like a prison.
1: Yeah. But wow. I mean, you know the interesting thing about it. I mean, and I reflect on it so many times. I wouldn't change one day of my life. I'd rather go through the five years I did. I walked out of there when I was 12 years old and never stopped walking. <laughs> <laughs> and look what I did.
0: But, but what did, did you get, like, because the vaccine came out in, what, the early 50s?
1: Yeah. So I was did you get jo- that? I was part of Jonas Salk's vaccine. No. I was the poster boy for the March of Dimes. Wow. And I didn't even know nothing about it until later on when I did the research on my book, which is interesting because... Uh Franklin Delano Roosevelt was was backed by Frank Costello, who basically took me under his wing.
0: Now can you tell people who Frank Costello is? Because when I asked Alessi about this earlier, he's like, uh, Oh, from the departed, right? I was like,
1: No. no. That's why not, he said that to that me one. in the car too, and I just <laughs> let it go.
0: <laughs> can you tell people who he was?
1: Well, Frank Costello ran the Genovese family for a long time, while Vito was away. And then he and Meyer Lansky created the syndicate in the United States Mm -hmm. where they actually organized the whole United States. So that's how I got to know every mob boss from New Orleans to Kansas City to Chicago.
0: How did you meet Frank in the first place?
1: I was selling ballpoint pens. I got out of the hospital. I was still a gimp. Oh, you
0: still couldn't really move the left side that well?
1: Oh yeah, I was dragging my leg and just, Whoa. I got out. I was, there was a nurse, a floor nurse, uh, who was uh, Dolores Barone, who was Carlo Gambino's niece. Thank God.
0: That's another big name.
1: Yeah, another great name. But Carlo Gambino, I always thought he was my uncle. You know, I, I saw him, because <laughs> we always had a co uncle call yeah. in the neighborhood. And my grandfather and all of them were from Sicily, and they all came from the same town. And um, so I really thought he was my uncle. So he let her know that this kid from the neighborhoods up there is very close to our family, look after him. And thank God she did, because if it wasn't for her, I probably would have went crazy like so many other people did. Mm. And a lot of people just gave up. They stopped eating. They stopped doing everything. So I stopped I'm making friends. I, was, you know, I wanted to have a friend. I'd make friends with kids in the ward, and then the next two or three days later, or a week later, their bed was scrubbed, and they're gone to heaven. Oh, wow. Yeah, and if you died during the day, they would leave you there like you were sleeping until all the lights went out at night because they didn't want to traumatize the kids. And then I, I wanted to get up so many times, but I couldn't, to oil the gurney's wheel because you hear that wheel coming <laughs> in. And I knew somebody must have died tonight. And, uh, Whoa. You know, it's... Uh, it, it 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 taught me so much, and my resilience is insane. Yeah, you know I'm you're talking. About a guy's been shot, stabbed. thrown do had my throat kill, slit. I was shot fourteen times so far. <laughs> so far, how many
0: different times though?
1: Like fourteen
0: times individually, oh, like no, no, fourteen no. bullets. My
1: my, my my biggest hit was not too long ago, uh, fourteen <laughs> years ago. It took eight eight thirty eight. Oh my god. Yeah. What happened there? That's a crazy story.
0: <laughs> all right, let's go to it.
1: Well, what yeah, happened we over there today. was uh, I I was getting my I was getting into the alcohol business in Europe, so I used to get DHL packages all the time. So at night time, whatever, they come ring the bell. I had a sign for them because of alcohol. And I live on 61st Street. So, this particular night, the date is going to mean a lot to your audience. It was November 22nd. Oh, yeah. JFK. So I come down. They ring the buzzer. And they said, Mr. Russo, I said, yeah, you got, we got DHL. Come down. I knew it. I'd been getting all kinds of samples. So I threw a full-length chinchilla coat on. It was cold. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing else.
0: That's all I had. I think this, that's the one you wore today.
1: Oh, no, no, no. This, that was, that wasn't full-length. chinchilla? No, that, no. that's a, a black mink. It was nice. That's a jacket. though. No, you this is to the up, floor. Though. This is to the floor. Oh, I like, the Fra- like
0: the Frank Lucas one. Yeah. Gotcha.
1: So with that, I go down, open the door, and the girl lets go. Shoots me. Boom, 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 boom. She had the vest on, and I thought I was hallucinating because I didn't, and I'm all of a sudden I'm getting shot. And then I'm watching through my double doors on the sidewalk. There's a van on the sidewalk, pulls up, and I'm going in and out of consciousness, and they throw me in the van. (laughs) And thank God I'm on 61st Street. They took me right to New York Presbyterian on 67th.
0: So was this just supposed to be like a straight-up robbery gone bad?
1: No. This was a girl who her father was a major senator, and I promised I would never say who it was. She was a fanatic for the Kennedys. She worked in the Literary Congress uh, reading books and galleys and all that. And she read a book that I had something to do with the Kennedy assassination. Well, I did. It was so far removed. So she came to avenge his death. Kennedy. Kennedy's death. Some people are a little crazy. It's only 14 years ago. So you're talking about...
0: Yeah, she really took that to heart.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of time passed there. <laughs> well, she, she was a young kid. You know, she yeah. got the job in the library at eighteen, nineteen, and she had, that's why she had a detail with her, thank God. Unless well, she could have just walked out there and killed me and left me there and I would have bled out. Whoa. But her detail... They were, and she was in my cousin's restaurant, <laughs> Sk- Skana Nutella, a restaurant, a famous restaurant in New York, yeah. I've never been there. And the bathroom is upstairs. So she left her detail to go to the bathroom. And they they now where the story goes, they wonder where she went. Her lady detail went up. And they, they said, no, she went out the door. And just as she, they were going out the door, they hear the shots. Mm. So the detail goes up a one-way street on my sidewalk to find her. And she's standing there with a gun over me, <laughs> empty.
0: Empty.
1: Yeah. Then I, they took me to New York Presbyterian, fortunately, which has been my hospital yeah, yeah. ever since then for a lot of other reasons. And uh, robotically, they, they just created that robotic thing for prostate cancer. And they removed every bullet without damaging any of my organs or anything. Wow. But that's when they realized that my left side was dwarfed to my right side.
0: hmm 'Cause of polio.
1: And they yeah. approached me then, two days later, and they said, Would you be a candidate for us? We're gonna do start doing experiments on stem cells. Oh, so you've been doing stem cells. I've been doing stem cells. They reversed my aging. <laughs> wow.
0: That's <laughs> my, that's a part that's in addition my, to walking, that's doing know, something for you.
1: No. That's why everything I always say. Anything in my life that's lemons, I make lemonade out of it. Clearly. And it's everything I've – every negative has turned to a positive.
0: Yeah, we we actually – I want to bring this up. We have your book sitting right here. This is from four or five years ago, I think, right?
1: Uh, Three years ago.
0: Hollywood Godfather. Holding it up to the camera right now. And I'll put the link to this down in the description as well. But in a lot of ways, your life story is – kind of like the Forrest Gump of, I'll just say, the New York City scene that we all
1: know goes global as well. Right, right, right. But it, but it's not just New York, it's global.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah, you've been yeah. very global with yeah. your stuff. And I I remember you had done a great podcast years ago with Patrick Bet-David, and I had seen it. Oh, yeah. I had guy. seen it back then. And he said something like, I think it was, if, if 20% of what you say is true, your life is fucking crazy, man. And I agree because... You know, to have the childhood you did is obviously unique for some very tough reasons. But to your point, you made lemons out of lemonade. You, you come out of there. How old were you? You were 12 when you 12, walked out of there? 12, yeah, 12. So you didn't go back to your
1: parents' house at all? No. Who'd w- you stay with? What happened, my friend, my father, my, friend, my grandfather had a friend called Funzi Magnotti. They had a bakery. Huh, Funzi. So, so <laughs> I went to work at the bakery which was great for me, unbeknownst to me, because of the coal ovens, the heat, mm. and the flour, there was no humidity. That's why even at my age now, in my 80s, I have no rheumatism. I have nothing. Most people should be having you know, arthritic pain and everything else. Wow. I have nothing. It's crazy.
0: So you just started working in there.
1: Started working. And then there you ended up selling ballpoint Mixing point the pens dough, at 50 pound bags of flour. It's like dynamic tension. Yeah, yeah. The dry heat. And then when I was done, because the bread had to be out by four o'clock in the morning, I'd go into storage and go on the flour bags, 50 pound bags, and go to sleep. Wow. I stayed there for about a year, year and a half.
0: And then how'd you get into the ballpoint pen thing?
1: My grandfather used to come take me for walks. I knew what he was doing every day, exercising me like a horse. Right. He walked me down to Delancey Street, mm-hmm. and ballpoint pens just came out. They were mm-hmm. just, you know, no more inkwell and all of that. And and uh, Leo Rubinowitz, who owned the store, my grandfather used to go to all the time for the pens and pencils for the club. They used to play zigzag you know. And he tried to sell them ballpoint pens. He said, I don't want no pens, I want the pencils. I don't need these pens. But it stuck in my mind. The next day I walked down there by myself. I said, "Mr. You know, Rabinowitz, I think I could help your business." And he's looking at the scribble kid, <laughs> and I, And so he was humoring me. So he called his brother over, David. This guy's going to help us. Come here, listen to the story. And I told him, "I said, you give me fifty pence. Give. I give nothing to no one. I said, lend me fifty pence. I'll go sell them. Come back the next day. Whatever I sold, I pay you for. You replenished them, and I could bring the pence." all around the neighborhood. Who's gonna walk to Delancey Street and find these pens? Mm. And at that time, we were getting paid, or people were getting paid cash and envelopes. The banks were doing, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was cash, no checks or nothing like that. So I went to Mr. Pinto, Marine Midland Bank, and again, because I'm the, he saw my infliction and all that, and I said, I got an idea. Can you tell me when certain offices get paid? And he figured I ain't got wrong with The guy's a cripple. <laughs> he said, why? I said, I have these pens. I showed him. I gave him one as a gift. It was like 10 cents. I gave it to him. I said, these pens just came out. You don't need ink wells. Now I want to sell them. I can make some money. And I exhausted it for about four months. That when I would pull up to a secretary's desk, who just got paid fifteen minutes ago because I knew when they came. Timing baby. She'd open the drawer and say, she had more pens than me. <laughs> 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 they were being nice. So then I went uptown. I took the N train on Canal Street, got off of 59th Street, on the park side. I'd never been up there before. And I walked out and there was the Sherry Netherlands Hotel. Mm. And everybody was dressed to the nines. I thought every day was Sunday. Everybody looked like they were going to church. Everybody had their suits on. And I started selling pens there.
0: Is that where you met Costello?
1: Not only did I meet him, he came almost every day. He'd be walking from the west side, and he'd stop there. I didn't know what he was doing, but he was going to get his shoe shine. Mm. Downstairs in the barbershop, they'd clean up his shoes every day, and he goes over to the Waldorf. And every day, he'd give me words of wisdom, give me a few dollars, sometimes $5. And before he left, he always touched my left shoulder. Put my arm around and hugged me. Mm. I didn't care what he touched. Keep giving me the money. Show up every day. That's right. all I cared about. It Wasn't till later on because I used when I left the neighborhood. I was still down living in the bakery. When I left the neighborhood, I used to stop by out of respect and see Gambino because he used to go to Ferraris in the morning when he came down in, in and, from Brooklyn. Down that's down right in on Little, L- Grand L- Street. L- yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So and or, it's still there. Put a pin on that. We got a story for that later. Yeah, yeah. he's
1: still there. So I'd go in and just wave to him if he was busy, or he'd call me over, how you feeling, all that. So when I left this one particular day, right next door, the other store that's still there is a religious store. Hmm. They sell artifacts and statues and all that. So he tells me, Johnny, you're from Sicily, right? I said, yeah. He said, well, we just got these logons from Sicily. I want you to see this. I went to look at it. And for your audience I don't know, the people wear horns, they wear these mm-hmm. kind of things mm-hmm. for, for the Molochia. Yep. So he shows it to me. There was a hunchback on the top of the lagoon. I said, What's that about? He says, Sicilians are very superstitious about touching cripples for luck. Well, the blood drained down in my head because <laughs> I thought this guy liked me. I couldn't wait to go up to Canal Street. I went to Canal Street, and when I got onto the train, there was a lady selling rabbit's feet. So I bought a pink one for like 10 cents I put in my pocket. And sure enough, here comes Costello, and this guy I thought was his friend. I found out later, Blackie was his bodyguard. Mm. So he does his normal stuff and gives me the money, and whatever, and he goes to touch me, and I move.
0: No luck today, Frank.
1: And he goes, Touch me again, and I move. He says, What are you doing? I said, not what I'm doing, it's what you're doing. Now understand, I'm I'm a 12-year-old kid talking to Costello. He's the, the boss of bosses. They call him the ambassador at the time. He says, What are you doing? I said, No, it's what you're doing. You think I'm some kind of freak? Did you know that he was I didn't know who he was. was? You didn't know that yet. I just thought it was a nice guy Give me money. <laughs> So oh I boy. said, you want luck? I gave him this pink rabbit's foot. And and the guy, the, no, I found out later it was his bodyguard, almost laughed that yeah. I'm giving this guy a rabbit's foot. He said, you know who I am? I said, no. I said, I want to know who you are. You took advantage of me. I, I really thought you liked me. <laughs> he said, I do like you. I said, what are you touching me for then? For luck? And I had him. Mm. He said, what's your name? I said, Johnny Russo. He who is Angelo Russo to you? Is Angelo Russo my great uncle? He when did you see him last I said, I never saw him. He why not? I said, why are you asking me all these questions? <laughs> if you know him, because I was mad at the guy. And I had an attitude with Well, I should have had an attitude coming down to Bellevue to begin with. So he said, your uncle I know very well. He's Blackie, take that cigar box. He said, you ain't taking my cigar box. And I used to hold it in my right hand because I'm my were. strength. Yeah, yeah. yeah, He took a roll of money out. I never saw that much money in my life. He gave me three $100 bills. Mm, that's a lot of money back then. He said, now I bought them. So I gave them to him. <laughs> so he said, You know where the Waldorf story is? I said, Of course. I know every public bathroom in New York. He didn't get it at first when we met, and I because I I did. I didn't know we had to be, I had to go to a bathroom. He went to the hotels. I still think about that today.
0: I think that should be like a law. If you have to go to the bathroom, like people got to open the door. Like sometimes you're walking in the city, you're like shit. I gotta go. I gotta find a Starbucks or something.
1: I go everywhere. I still go. I walk every day. You can imagine. I yeah. walk You know, I walk up to 80th, 90th Street and come back down. So anyway. Long story short, he says, be there. you know the clock in the in the lobby? I said, yeah. He's be there tomorrow at 10 o'clock. I was there at 9 o'clock. I don't want to miss the guy. The <laughs> guy gave me $300. Forget yeah,
0: <laughs> no, I'm fucking be there at 9.
1: And then uh, Blackie came and said, Mr. C wants to see you. I went back there, and he told me the story. That my uncle sent his mother and father here when he was a teenager. Whoa. And what most people don't know about Mr. Gambino Carlo Gambino came to America at 17 years of age as a made man. He was made over there at the Gambino family. It's still there. I was was, just.
0: Yeah, he was a. Go go ahead. Go ahead.
1: No, and he was here now, which people don't realize unless you're Italian heritage at that time. The guys, Matarano and those, they were shaking down the Italian immigrants.
0: Yeah. Maranzano. Instead of protecting them. Who was the other one? Mazzucca.
1: Yeah. And so they mm. came in and that's when they created the five families. From that point on, they got rid of them. Yeah. Created the five families, but again that all worked to my, my to my advantage. And then he said to me, From you'll never do that again. I want you to be my personal messenger. Mm. I was okay. I'll never let you get in trouble. You just do all my errands, meet me every day at eleven o'clock. Or unless you get a message from Carmine at the Copa, was where I used to go at night before I went home to find
0: Copacabana? out.
1: Copacabana? Copacabana. He owned the Copacabana, Costello. Wow. Costello owned, I mean, he had his finger in everything. And that was it. So I was with him till 73, until he died.
0: Wow. So, what kind, so you were just running errands for him all the time? I was running errands
1: for him, and then Joe Kennedy I met, who was his partner during Prohibition, they were doing bootlegging, and they they amassed thirty million dollars each. Oh yeah! In the thirties, you're talking about John
0: F. Kennedy's father, obviously. Right.
1: Wow. And so, what? How I met him was just because of what you just said. Senator John F. Kennedy wanted to run for president, and he Did you used... know
0: Senator John F. Kennedy. Yeah. You met him.
1: Yeah. Oh, I hung out with when... him. I I hung out with him for about four or five months every weekend. It was insane. Wow! I was 16 years old, but I was. The, they knew I was the eyes and ears. The kid is coming, and I met everybody. I met the Savellas in Kansas City, uh, uh, Tony Ocardo in Chicago. I met every crime Frank Nitti, those guys. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, Nick Nitti. You when you read my book, Frank Nitti's son. We became partners.
0: Oh, you became business partners.
1: That's He and I were the couriers for the Vatican money.
0: <laughs> all right, we're, we're going to pin on the Vatican
1: money. I mean, that story is insane. Wow. But So with that, all I was doing that time was going to see Alan Dothman, Culinary Union, Bramlett, insurance people, all the mob families, and it gave me a great entree to them all because they knew Costello. You know, he was head of the syndicate. And I worked for him. And I met everybody all during that time. And then on the weekends, we'd meet in Vegas. And I'd watch the Rat Pack. And during mm. that time, they were shooting Ocean's Eleven. So the this movie. is early
0: 60s, late 50s, early 60s? Yeah.
1: yeah. Wow. So I'm sitting ringside. They're talking to me. Dean, Sammy, they're talking, man, your kid's here tonight, your kid, your kid. And people just come up to you, who are you? I saw I'm the kid, don't worry about it. I'm the kid. And are they, you
0: moving better now? Like,
1: like Oh, yeah. Oh, now, is, I'm, yeah, now, point, I'm, I'm yeah, now I'm 16, yeah, I'm moving better. But most people didn't realize I had two different shoe size, glove size, and all that. Mm. But And if you didn't study me, even now, like this hand is a lot smaller than this hand. Can you hold them both out? Yeah.
0: Oh wow! It is. Yeah,
1: I know. Okay. No, so this is the side that's still gimped. Even though I'm taking stem cells, it's yeah. done tremendous. But I used to have full head of gray hair, receding hair, my hair coming back. My skin, back? <laughs> true stem cell. That's it's reversing crazy. aging. How often do you have to do stem cells? Now I'm not. I'm only doing them nine, every ninety days, but I I go to the hospital every thirty days.
0: And what? And how does it work? Do they do they just inject you in the arm? I don't know anything. No, about, no. What they do, it. they take
1: my stems from my right side. They spin them and do that. And then they inject them to where I want, or that where they want. That they know I need the work. Wow. But it's—I mean—my energy level is insane. What it's done for my memory and recall and all that—it's—I'm like a, a two-hundred-watt bulb. That's amazing. That's—that's that's something I really want to do a
0: podcast on at some point because I know so little about it. We hear about it in passing all the time, but. It seems like more, you hear about like people going down to Mexico to get them and stuff like that. It seems oh, like a are hearing to more. And more. The, yeah. the only
1: problem with that, and fortunately, I mean, unless you have a lot, a lot of money, you can get them now in the country. It's about $35,000 of treatment. Per but, treatment. Per treatment. But the wealthy are going to live yeah, forever. A yeah. And a, a lot of the guys, like even the, uh, you know, uh, His Majesty in Dubai and all that. They (laughs) just built major clinics. And I'm with Cornell University in research. So you can pull up my records. They have everything on me. So in a conversation with him, he says, you know, I know you have everything covered in New York, but if you need a body part, we have your records here. And we'll fly it right up to you. A body part. Cause they're in a fourth world company, country. They buy hearts, they buy livers, they buy stuff. So if you have money, you're never going to die. I'm going to yeah. live. I'm predict, projected right now to 115. That's why
0: might need to get on that stem cell grind over there. Got to well, get some more money, Alessi. Let's, are, are, let's figure out how to monetize this them? a little better. <laughs> That's amazing. But I cut you off from where you were talking about Costello and, and Alessi. If you wouldn't mind, can you pull up a picture of Costello to put on on the screen? Just type in Frank Costello Five Families. But he he was a really fascinating guy because the kind of the mo I guess you get on a lot of mobsters is like they're just tough guys who aren't necessarily the brightest bulb but one of the things he, Costello at least from the research I've done he was one of the guys Meyer Lansky was probably another one and Joe Bonanno was definitely another one who was actually like extremely smart and the running joke among law enforcement was that like these guys would have been CEOs of anything they tried. Oh, yeah
1: and the the only uh, I I don't agree with you is with Joe Bonanno. I know him well. I knew of his son Bill and all that. I Joe- I had, had Tori in here.
0: How well did your grandfather know Joseph Kennedy?
1: They did business together in the bootlegging times. And my grandfather didn't like him because he was, they were smuggling immigrants and they were smuggling alcohol or whiskey. And if they were getting chased and they needed to you know, lighten the load, they would throw the people overboard, the immigrants overboard, before the alcohol. And my grandfather just you know, hated Joe Kennedy because of that.
0: The grandson. Bill's Excuse son. me? I had Tory
1: Bonano, Salvatore Bonano, yeah, Bill's I, son. I, and... What does he know about his grandfather? I I I, I, I met him once. I, I had to go to Arizona a lot of times. I hated to go. I get <laughs> off the plane, you go drive two, 200 miles into the desert to see him. I, I'm so against drugs, mm. and they were very heavy into drugs. Now,
0: they claim, the claim there is that, because we know the Bonanos got heavy into drugs. You're 100% right, right. about that. But... The claim is that part of the reason he was excommunicated from the family and they had the whole Bananas War was because there was another faction of the family that wanted to do drugs and he didn't.
1: That's their story. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> fair that's fair. I, I mean, you know, I can't, I'm not going to, yeah, that's, you know, there's so many people that I know because I, as, as we're revealing now, I got to meet like you met my Lansky, and those guys. I was like 12, 13 years old when I'm meeting these guys. And you, have, you really have no idea. I have no idea who yeah. they were. But why I'm saying that, that's how long I've been in this life, and I'm not a made guy. Everybody says to you, are you a made I never want to be a made guy. Why would I want I, I don't want to be a Boy Scout. I don't like clubs. I don't like meetings. I ain't doing it. <laughs> I mean, I used to go down to, and, and I, out of respect to, to Gambino and my family, I could walk into the Ravenite anytime I wanted. The social club down in what's that? uh,
0: Social club down in Little Italy. Yeah, yeah.
1: But I could go to any time, and normally on Sundays you couldn't go in that club before twelve noon unless you were a made guy. Mm. And that's what gave me the problems with John Gotti later on in life, because he was he was his rabbi down there was O'Neill. O'Neill was, I mean, he turned it into him, all well, the, the hijacking he was doing and all that, and then eventually. But one day he says to O'Neill, he's, why is this kid in the club? He's, what'd you just say?
0: Wait, Delacroche, are you talking yeah, about?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, O'Neill was like yeah. major guy for years. I loved the guy. But he said, John was like, you know, 18, 19 years old, trying to earn his bones and get into this stuff. And he said, who are you talking about? He knew, but he just wanted to. And he sh- saw me sitting with the old man at the table. And he had to wait till 12 o'clock to let him in to give his envelope mm. every Sunday. And he used to see me there. O'Neill smacked him. Is who were you to ask about this kid? He smacked John, a uh, young John Gotti. Yeah. Well, O'Neill took him out. O'Neal yeah. was nobody fool Yeah,
0: him. yeah, yeah, at that point for sure.
1: And he said, now, you don't come down here for 90 days, but make sure my envelope comes every Sunday. <laughs> they punished. But that's how long John and I's love-hate interest, because I never got along with John until later on we met and we had certain things that we got involved with. In fact, he wanted slot machines in my casino in Vegas. I said, John, you can have them. He said, really? I said, start a corporation. <laughs> I am going to give you a hundred slot machines. Was it like a gift? Uh, I mean, yeah, for him. I, I well, think yeah, that's I mean, that's how naive they were. I mean, it's, it's crazy.
0: How did you not become a maid guy, though? It's so interesting because you were literally the errand boy as a kid, like being groomed
1: by the boss of all bosses. But he never wanted me to either. He says, you'll never be a part of this. Why? How, like because right away? He they wanted he was saying me that? out there. They wanted me clean. I have carrying permits. I got everything. I got bonded from Lloyd's of London as a courier for the what Vatican. Does that,
0: what does that mean,
1: like bonded as a courier? Because when, when I left the casino on a Monday, Nick, Nadie, and I, we'd fly, go to Chicago. Frank's son? Yeah. And then we'd get on Alitalia and fly to Rome. We didn't even get off the plane. The Vatican cars would pull up to the steps
0: you get so wired
1: into the Vatican? Let's go there. <laughs> Let's go there. Like, how did you— Well, because of Bishop Masinkus See, people don't realize it. Marcinkus created this whole thing. Bishop Marsinkus. And, and uh, Marsinkus was—I mean, Mario Puzo wrote a very good story. He did his homework. The Godfather. What, what's that? The, you mean the book The Godfather. Right. right. And that's where you got introduced to the Vatican and laundering money. Yeah. Marcinkus created the Bank of the Roma. The Vatican owned it. The only branch of the Bank of the Roma is in Chicago. Marcinkus was a cardinal from Chicago. This guy? That's him. <laughs> so how, but... so we were taking the money to them. Now we, we can stop at an airport. We show them the letter from the Vatican. Good. Can't touch me. I got Macquarie. Now, the how country. much would you have, like, money I'd be moving you? two or three million a week.
0: So does the Vatican run the world? Huh? Does the Vatican run the world?
1: Oh, they're the, figure this out. Most people don't digest this. They're the largest single stockholder in the world. They own the most property in the world that pays no taxes. Every school, every Catholic church, figure out, I mean, there's an organization a lot deeper than them called the Solidarity.
0: The Solid, I'm not familiar with that. Well, nobody the Solidarity. is.
1: It's about 2,000-year-old club. It's a club. It's a club. And it's in the catacombs of the Vatican. You know, the Vatican's a city when it's in itself. I know. I used Just to like, live right you know, next to it. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Then you know. I mean, I don't know like most that. Pe- most people don't know what I'm telling you. So they meet down there, you're saying? Oh, they, they're such, such where they are. They only meet there, period. Right. Okay. They're very high-level profile people throughout the world. you get invited to be in it. But they, like Whoa. you said, who's running the world? I think they are. Wow.
0: That's like a little breaking news for me. I they never heard of it.
1: Their money is un- untold. It's ridiculous.
0: Sometimes I would, I'd walk by that place, and I, you know, I was in college, so like I couldn't appreciate as much. You know, you're, you're thinking about a lot of other things in right. college. But I'd be like, "Damn, has so much history right there. That's really cool." I just keep walking, and then later, when I got a little older, I was like, "Oh my God, there's some some interesting things that happened there." Like that, that hit me well after the fact of living there. I wish I had thought about it more when I was yeah, there. Yeah, no.
1: I I mean, when you think of what they control and what they do, they, they, it's, it's amazing. It's like the... the I, was, I met John Paul. I met... Uh, the, um, there was a, one guy was there. Benedict. 31 day. Not Benedict. I don't even want to know him. He wanted <laughs> to meet me. I don't <laughs> no, that, that was all over with now. You know? There was it, some talk that he was a Nazi. Was that?
0: There was some talk that he was a Nazi. Oh. like they couldn't account for some of those years in Germany. Oh, I, I don't know anything about anything, but I'm just saying. No. a little bit of talk about that. That was a little sketchy.
1: No, but the, uh, the one pope that was in for—I th- was at the funeral, and then they said, stay around. We're going to have an inaugural when we get— to- So we were—I was all through Europe anyway at that time in the summertime, and they had the inaugural for the new pope, John Paul. And I found out they gave the guy a hot shot. They killed him. They killed that pope because he didn't want to go along with what the Vatican was doing. Who? Hello.
0: I don't know that part of history. Who yeah. was that? that? Was John oh, yeah. Paul the first?
1: No, no, he was. A, look him up. The pope that was he had, Pope. He, thir-
0: can we Google Pope dead thirty-one days?
1: Thirty-one days. I it? don't know
0: anything about this.
1: I'm shocked that you know.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I am too. I should. I should know shit like this. This it's is 33 like thirty-three days, right there.
1: Thirty-three was. Oh, yeah hello
0: pope pope (laughs) bennett wait no pope john paul was pope for just yeah john paul the first for 33 days 78 the vatican issued a short and stunning bulletin this is from what the washington post yeah i guess it's behind a paywall or go down go down let's see on the morning of September twenty nineteen seventy-eight, the Vatican issued a short and stunning bulletin announcing that Pope John Paul I was dead of a heart attack and his body discovered in bed by a priest who served as his personal secretary. Oh, so they took a little <laughs> they took a little bit of artistic license in Godfather Three.
1: Of course they did.
0: Yeah, okay. Okay. I see you. So you were there
1: Oh I was there for his inaugural and, and then I for his <laughs> funeral. But it was funny. I went to two funerals and an inaugural in within 30, forty three days. days. There
0: you go. That's like that's like a two for deal or three. Nice for to say
1: anything about you. Well, you know uh, Rome pretty well. Yes, I used to stay at the Ambasciadori Hotel.
0: Oh, nice hotel. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. I got How often do you get back to Rome these days?
1: I don't go to Rome much anymore. Mm. I go to Sicily more now. I got my I businesses. Love there. I love Sicily. Sicily's the best. Climate's right. It's easy.
0: Where'd you say? What town is your family from in Sicily? know. And that's hills. like in the middle in the hills by Corleone. Yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. exactly. Sicily is. I spent a lot of time there when I was over there. Sicily is like the best kept secret in the world. Yeah. It is it has every climate at all different times. It even has Mount Etna there. You can. Yeah. It looks like ski slopes at the top. I wouldn't know. I didn't go ski, but you know the beaches, the the wet the, the the countryside.
1: Oh, yeah. you got I mean, to- I, Tomina and oh yeah, uh, uh, Chef Valou, the, the best best seafood ever. Yeah, yeah. Fact, you know it's so wild because uh, last year was the 50th anniversary of the Godfather,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and Jacob the jeweler Jacob and Company on on 57th Street, mm-hmm. he was trying to come out with a watch for the Godfather. So they went to Paramount and he says, We got to talk to Johnny Russo. He's Johnny Russo. <laughs> He's why? I says, you can't use Don Corleone. He has a, f- a thing with the family, he owns all the rights to it. You own the rights to the name Corleone? No, no. I own the rights to Marlon Brando's image as Don Corleone and his voice from every movie. I digitized it. I have him now with with a the, the new technology, A1. I'm doing stuff. <laughs> well, that's why he's on all, that? that's why he's on all my stuff. When did you get that? I I took total rights about 9 years ago.
0: All right, cuz we're going to be getting to The Godfather. There's a lot of stories there for yeah. in in case people haven't read the bio yet or don't already know your reputation precedes you. Johnny played Carlo in The Godfather, which is the greatest film ever made, and you were a major character in that. But all kinds of backstory with that. And you were telling me off camera a little bit about some of the other stuff with that. I don't know if we're allowed to say that on camera about the offer.
1: Oh, no, no, no. no. All right. right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: we'll, We'll stay away from that. But it was interesting just because the story of how the Godfather was made. Right. Had like a second coming of people looking into it now because of that show that came out. Right. And everything. But when, when Marlon Brando died in 04, I guess it is. Right. So you bought your you bought all this long before this whole concept of what you were just referring to, like the AI and being able to redigitize someone, was even a thought. All
1: right.
0: So it's just a smart buy without. Well,
1: knowing. I mean, I, I, people think I'm smart. I'm not, I did the, by accident. I, did you know AI <laughs> was coming out? <laughs> no, that's good.
0: Not back then. I'll tell you that. No, I'm,
1: I'm making a deal with Kroger right now. Kroger um, department. Yeah, you know, yeah. Are, grocery store. Forty right? nine hundred stores they have. Wow. And why they want me, it's so funny, is because I told them I could create more foot traffic in two hours than any ad you bought in paper, commercials, or whatever. Why is that? Well, I'm going to tell you. Okay. And I told them because they came to me because I'm going on QVC, introducing a whole new line of the, uh, the Cordellion Family collection of products. I'm re-reducing, uh, reintroducing Genco olive oil, my balsamic vinegar. This all comes out next year. And you own Genco too, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But what we did, I said, I'm not going to pay any slotting fees. I'm not paying this. I'm not paying that. And I would like you, if you want to do this deal, you become my importer And I'll give you exclusive rights because I don't need more than 4,900 stores. But I'm retaining direct-to-consumer. So between QVC, which most people don't know, they're in six countries. So on QVC, they have an exclusive for that. They'll have the supermarkets. And I'll have direct-to-consumer. Mm. So I mean, look what you know. Amazon does today oh, direct yeah. the to consumer. Oh, it's crazy! No, and you pick up another 40 percent. But with what the technology now, at the end caps, which I wanted, I want not none of my product on rows. I want end caps. That means the end of the right aisle, where they see it. Yeah. right at the mm-hmm. end of the aisle. Yeah. I have a Mullen brand
0: though. You have a what?
1: A Marlon Brando life-size in his tuxedo from the wedding. Oh my God! And when you walk up to him, it activates him. He's I made you a modern art you can't believe. <laughs> and you know what's going to happen? Everybody's going to take out their selfie and do it. Ask oh, yeah. him again. That's genius. It's going to go viral. It's genius. There'll be lines outside, and they they fall apart. They couldn't believe it. And that's because you own all that. That's yeah. nuts, man. But but long story short where we were going, last year, I thought and I, I love Jacob, I know Jacob a hundred years. And jeans, the watch. Yeah, yeah. W- The yeah. watch guy. Yeah. He created a watch and I went to see it. Five hundred thousand dollars and nine hundred thousand dollars. This watch better. I said, eat. Are you kidding me? Who's gonna buy them? He said I bought I made these ballpoint pants to in nine hundred dollars. I said, okay. So we made a deal for me, obviously. And uh, we traveled to Sicily on a 10-passenger private jet. We kept that for three days. He took where Abolonia got blown up in the courtyard of that yes. estate. Yes. We had a dinner party. He so I'm paying a million dollars on that. that at night. the same spot. Same place. Last year. This was last year. Now, that was also filmed in Tormina, right? Was that? Was
0: the, was that home in Tormina, too?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh, it's
0: beautiful. Yeah, people never been to I and mean, I highly recommend.
1: He sold 10 watches that night. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of money, but. But he has these people, they all came for the party. I was the only cast member. Wow. He paid me handsomely. <laughs> you couldn't get Al out there? No. Well, you know, Al's a, Al's a strange guy. He had him in dinner. I mean,. They ask for phone numbers, and then then they tell you what they won't do, not what they will do. What they won't yeah. do. You um, live you live like a block from De Niro, right? Oh yeah,
0: yeah. He's like right there. Oh yeah. You I ever know.
1: see him? I, we were just talking about it coming in. It's every time he wants to meet me, he wears a disguise. I mean, it's crazy. This guy, <laughs> yeah. he's got a wig on. He's got...
0: Yeah, yeah. He's got. I mean, look, people people are weird about that stuff. They don't they don't care. They'll just stop you. I mean, when you I
1: mean, he and I have a great relationship. I mean, we, we we went we went on a private trip together with uh, Terrence Winter. Remember, Terrence Winter did Boardwalk. The Empire? The writer of The
0: Sopranos, he yeah. did Boardwalk Empire, yeah. Wolf of Wall Street script. We that. were doing yeah. a project
1: together, Terrence De Niro, and I. Major what, Major, what
0: were you looking at doing? Are you allowed to well, say
1: they, they bought the rights to something, and then we went to Chicago, and they wanted to meet a guy that supposedly was in Sicily on a lamb. And he was gone for sixteen years, so we took Bobby's plane. Went, I said, we got to stop in Chicago first before I tell you where we're going, because he had to, you know, they had to give the flight pattern to where we're going. So we go to Chicago, we land in Chicago private uh, private area, and all these Chicago police cars come, and Bobby said, "What's going on?" I said, "Relax." We get off the plane, get in a police car, and go meet this guy. He's, he's living in Chicago under his brother-in-law's name. Oh shit! They all thought he was they in all Sicily. thought he was still in Sicily.
0: <laughs> oh my god!
1: When Bobby walked in and Terrence went to saw this guy, they couldn't believe it. And they spent four or five hours with him, and then there were certain things, and it didn't work out. Didn't work out.
0: I always kind of wondered why you weren't. In the Sopranos,
1: oh, I didn't want to be in the Sopranos. Why not? David Chase wrote a movie for me when he was a writer for Universal Pictures. Hmm. They used to do those ninety-minute movies for television. Yeah, yeah. Well, he wrote a movie called "The Dwarf in the Helium Hat."
0: The dwarf in the, the helium dwarf hat.
1: The dwarf in the helium hat. He titled the Sopranos better. David Chase. Yeah. So now he writes the Soprano script. And he's passing it all over Hollywood. Nobody wanted it. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wanted it. Right. So he calls me and he sends me the script. He said, Read it and call me back. Days go by. He calls me back. He says, Did you read the script? I said, I read one page. He says, Why? I says bullshit. Why'd you say it was bullshit? Well, when I tell you this, you'll agree. I said, the first page, he gets up in the morning, he walks down his driveway in his robe and gets his own newspaper. If a mob boss walked (laughs) down his own driveway, the next day he'd be shot down. Are you crazy with this? But it was Uh, a great thing. Yeah. I mean, then after, I never watched the show. And all the I mean, people made careers out of it.
0: Today, today, maybe it would be like the world you knew for sure. I, I would agree with you. Today, it might be, and obviously we're talking late 90s with this, but it might, especially in Jersey. We oh, I mean, still do well, obviously. Yeah, but I'm saying that might have been a little more realistic today for him to go do that. I mean, I know where his house is there I mean, in, well, in how, North he ran his, He
1: ran his business out of a strip club. Yeah. Now, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. Just the attention there. I mean, come on. Well, that actual strip club, the the uh, Bing, oh, Satin yeah. Dolls, was oh, that guy there was a little uh, mobbed up. I know. But that... You know, it's... Anyway. So you just weren't buying it? Well, no. I, and Joe Pantalone, who I love, was a major character. Ralphie. Yeah. Ralphie, yeah, yeah. And they, they're beating up women. Mob guys don't beat up women.
0: Really? None of them?
1: None of them. Come on. Maybe they're wives and nobody knows about it. <laughs>
0: I love how you say that like it's a difference. No,
1: I mean, no. But still. Women women are sacred to Italians, real Italians.
0: I mean, yeah, I would agree with that, but, you know, it's yeah. not always what you hear from the mob stories.
1: Well, they're they doing anything they want now with stories, and mm-hmm. everybody. I mean, it's crazy. Did he ever come
0: back to you as the seasons went on and it was getting popular to bring you on the show? I
1: would not never do the show. You would ne- still, even when oh, it was I, getting I, popular. I, I, how many mob pictures have I made after the Godfather?
0: Zero, I think, right?
1: No, I made a couple. I made a couple good ones. I did Four Deuces with Jack Palance. Oh, wait, we you're talking in Babisha. the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Now I did uh, Lepke with Tony Curtis. I played out by Anastasia. He played Louis Bookalter. Oh, no, we I never did, saw that. No, we did some classics. But, you know, to do, to, first of all, television is a commitment I don't want. They invited me for this book, I turned this book into a musical. You I mean, turn your book into a musical. I've been touring for two years with it. No shit. Moegan Sun, everything <laughs> eighty minute show, graphics, films, everything's perfect. They wanted me to bring it to Broadway. Major producer. So I go and sit with them. They said, You gotta come to Broadway with us. this. This could be amazing. I, I know about Broadway. I I'm not one to go see Broadway plays. i you know. So they said eight shows a week.
0: Eight oh wow,
1: six shows show? and two matinees. Eight mi- 80 minutes. I said, let me tell you something. I have never done anything but go to the bathroom that regularly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it is a good look. I, I hear it's you. It's a dedication. It's a dedication for sure.
1: Like Tom Selleck. I know Tom Selleck all my life. Yeah, the Magnum and all that. Now he's doing Blue Bloods. These guys, even Steve Shriver. You know, Steve Shriver oh, yeah, worked yeah. for. Well, Steve worked for me. When did he work for you? He was going to UNLV Hotel School <laughs> and he was a big kid and I hired him. I had a lot of guys from the college in a tuxedo and looked great at the door. Bobby Bacala from Sopranos yeah. for people out there. And now blue bloods. He was there the night I killed Lorenzo Morales in my club. Oh, you gotta tell this story. He was the doorman. So I, I, I Steve Sheripper was, was the doorman yeah. in the club. At, at that time, yeah. I'm sitting on my perch in my bar. I used to look at the different rooms, the casino, disco, and all that from this one area. And he says to me, uh, I called him. I said, Who's that guy on seven you put in? He said, I don't know who he is, boss. Because a lot of guys came in giving $100 bills to everybody. Sure. I said, Who is he? He said, I don't know. Caesar sent him in. I said, Is he their guest? He's, he's, who's yeah. C- who's, oh, Caesar the, the... Caesar's Palace. The, ca- the, the hotel. casino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I served gourmet food till 6 in the morning. I worked, I worked my club 12 hours a day. You were cooking it too? Oh, no, no. I'm oh, fucking no, with you. No, no, no. <laughs> I could have, but I didn't. No, but I, I had the club for 10 years. Right. I opened it in 1980. Sinatra, Demon, Sammy Davis opened the weekend for me and charged me nothing. And this is, you know, this is in eight the years 80s, after The Godfather. Little, so. Oh, yeah. yeah no, yeah. it's happening.
0: People know who you are.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, it's happening. So this guy comes in, giving $100 bills like that. We find out. And he said, no, he sees his guests. I said, we'll load them up. So they sent a bottle of Louis XIII, you know. And he had an $1,800 bill in a minute. He didn't care. He signed it. And he's giving money away anyway. He's not at the table. The half hour, Maybe. He breaks the crystal bottle and sticks it in his date's face. Like actually stabbed her stabbed or was her, holding her? No. It. Thank God he missed her eye. Oh. I, I call the front door again and said, Steve, get to seven. He says, I ain't going over there, boss. I said, what are you talking about? So why I hired you for. <laughs> <laughs> so now I go over there. And I said, to, you got to leave. You hear the sirens, they're coming. Go out the exit door. I don't want no trouble. Because I had a lot of guys come down. I didn't know who they were with. They came because we were friends of friends. I said, I got to get her to the hospital. He said, no, mon. I said, no, mon. Where are you from? He said, you don't want to know. And I didn't know he had the bottle yet in his hand. Oh, he still had to So he goes like he's going to get the girl. He spins around to get me. And unfortunately, I was agile enough. See this? 81 stitches. Whoa. My chin is hanging down.
0: Yeah, this is a pub. By the way, Alessia, you can pull up the article on this. This is, this is a very public story from 1988.
1: But... but the bottom line is I'm saying, how am I going to defuse this guy? He's going to kill me. So I said, look what you did to my shirt. I waited six months for the Sea Island cotton. <laughs> and he's You're looking at me. from the neck. <laughs> yeah, and I'm bleeding. And he's saying like, wait a minute. This girl's bleeding. He's bleeding. He's talking about his shirt. Yeah. I just wanted to get my hand on my gun. So while I was showing him the shirt, I got my gun. Boom. I put it right to his forehead. I said, I'm going to give you the same offer. Leave now. I got to get it to the hospital. There's cops coming here now. He's F you. I F me. I put two right between his eyes. 150 people are watching me. You can hear a pin drop. The guy's looking at me. I'm looking at you. The blood is running out. his fire. He goes like this. Then I realized I need a bigger caliber gun.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, it's a shitty bullet. Fuck.
1: No, but the guy was so high on coke. So you got to close him down here. That's where you shoot. Here it spins around for a couple of seconds. But those couple of seconds, you're looking at a guy bleeding, and he's still could kill you. So I put the last three, it was a five-shot re- revolver. I put the last three in his heart, and that was it. He was oh, a Lorenzo Morales. Three
0: will do the trick.
1: It was yeah. a Lorenzo Morales, the underboss of Pablo Escobar.
0: <laughs> like the Pablo Escobar. The Pablo Escobar. And this is, this is yeah, this is late 80s, so he's uh, at the height of his 80, power. Uh, 19, it was uh,
1: October 28, 1989.
0: You got the article, Leslie? Yeah. That is nuts. The wild story of the real-life mobster who starred in The Godfather. This is from Vice News. Love it. In 1988, a gangster from the Medellin cartel... Holy shit. From the Medellin cartel was harassing a woman at State Street, a Las Vegas club and casino owned by actor Johnny Russo, who played Carlo Rizzi in Francis Ford Coppola's iconic mafia flick, The Godfather. When Russo intervened, the Colombian smashed a bottle of Cristal in his face, bleeding profusely and legally carrying... Good you were legally carrying. Very smart. Russo took out his gun and fired two shots in the man's head. The killing was ruled a justifiable homicide, but Russo still had to deal Oh, we'll pop up. Russo still had to deal with the with a con, a contract being put out on his life by none other than Pablo Escobar. But when the cocaine lord found out Russo was an actor in the iconic movie Escobar's Favorite, he called the hit off. You cannot make that shit up. Nope. Wow! So, did you ever meet him? I, I mean, I, I assume flew you over did there.
1: You flew to see Escobar. This is a classic story. All right, I fly in to see John Gotti because I knew they were dealing with him. So I said, "John," and he's laughing now. Oh, now you're a killer! Mm. You're an actor. I'm, I'm all bandaged up. I went to the hospital and I left. Yeah, you got a second smile down there, right? So I said, "You got to help me." He said, "What do you want to do?" I said. John, this is not what you think it was. <laughs> he stabbed a lady in my club. I didn't know who the guy was. If I knew where he was, I probably wouldn't have killed him. I said, "I got to go down there." He's, you got go to go? You going to go there? I said, "Yeah." But nice knowing you. He's not going to buy you the ticket because <laughs> he thought he'd get rid of me. <laughs> so I go there. The only comfort I had was to meet him in. The, I met him in a church. Did you go with anybody? No, by, by myself. Just yourself. You know what it is? That's what I do. I I'm on a pass. God's gonna watch one. I you know what they were Marelitos. They kill your pets, your neighbors, oh, yeah. your friends, yeah. then you last. They want you to suffer. So I said, I'm gonna go. I went. Were you were you afraid at all? Well, you know I I I, I, I have this crazy thing with the guy upstairs. I've been I shot, stabbed, run over. I'm here. I'm telling you about a Pablo Escobar story. I'm being tortured. I get to the church. I walk down the aisle. It was only him. I saw him up in the up front. As I'm walking down the aisle, the pews are cracking, and people are sitting up with rifles. I get to, the, to, the, to the, where he was lighting candles. Is you Johnny Russo? I said, yeah. That's all I remembered. I wake up. I'm in the prison he built for himself. You made that yeah. Yeah. Three floors under the ground. Body bags around me. I'm in a chair, totally nude, shackled to that chair. And I'm going in and out again. I don't know how long I've been there or whatever. Next is a guy, totally dressed, neat, not in fatigues. And he has a book in his hand, The Making of the Godfather. He says, Why don't you tell me you were him. I love that film. Clean him up, get the doctor to see him, and then bring him up to me when he's ready. I go, they give me needle. they clean me up. I'm sitting at his dining room table. Oh my God. It's him and me. And he had people around, obviously. He says, Why would you come here? As you have a daughter, Gina. I said, I have a daughter, Gia. I did my homework. Mm. If somebody was going to kill your daughter, would you go? He looked at me. He got up and he come walking towards me, stand up. I stood up. He hugged and kissed me. He says, There's few men in the world that would come here to see me. I'll take care of this for you. So he says, But could you do me a favor? Before you leave? And I was not kidding with him. I was so happy. <laughs> he said, you want me to wash your windows, your car? What do you want me to do? He said, no, 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 no. I want to do the closing scene of the garden. Oh, <laughs> huh? And there we go. And I'm saying to myself, he's oh, going to kill me. Yeah, because you're supposed to be walking. Up. Yep. So he says, come up here. And I sat where he was. He gets his man, goes to the door. I said, you want me to write down the lines? He said, no, I know the lines. <laughs> he did. Comes walking in, he looks at me for a minute, says, Carlo, you gotta answer for Santini. The way you think this far, she played on? my did the whole thing. He comes to me, right up to the ticket and all, gives me the ticket. Is now get out of here. There's a car waiting for you. I'll tell your wife you're coming. Did he you
0: do the cry when you said it was Bart everything.
1: Zini? Everything. No, hello. You
0: were, you were right
1: on cue. I did the whole thing. <laughs> I'm saying, but then, you know, this is either my Academy <laughs> Award act my or ass I'm going to die now. <laughs> he walks me out. He opens the door. You're like, that's it. And instead of Clemens in the back seat, it's the guys that were down in the basement with me. Two guys in a drive in fatigues. And simultaneously along with him, they said, hello, Carlo. They bust out laughing. And saying, I'll get I going to shit myself. Hello, I did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if people actually haven't seen you why well, I... out there, if you know, you know. Put it that way. You know, but it's
1: so funny because, you know, as we know, when we've had a conversation off camera, we're not going to mention anybody's names now. If so many people read this book and say, oh, how much of this is true? How much is that? You can look up stuff and find out, man. There's
0: some, that's the thing. There's some stuff you say that can be looked up. I say this with anyone I have in here, though, because, you know, I just met you today. You never know, right? There's stuff you, when when there's public information, like we can check it. That's why some of the ones today, it's like, holy shit, like that's real. And you can look up the stuff on you. But a lot of it, like my friend Louisa was in here, there's people who will you know, accuse him of everything he said is wrong, but some of it's verifiable. And then you find out, you know, he was one of the original cocaine cowboys in Miami, and he's the one, his father was a made guy in New York, and he connected the Cubans with the Italians back in, I guess that was like the mid-late 70s, something like that. But, you know, people are going to say what they're going to say about it. Either way, some of the places you have been verifiably in your life It's nuts. I mean, you know, (laughs) your life is definitely, it should be a movie. I don't know how it has it. You've been in movies, obviously. I don't know how your life hasn't been made a movie yet. Because if you took that 20% of it. i the rights.
1: I want to do it next year.
0: You want to do it? Have you talked to someone about
1: it? Oh, yeah. Major people, actually. Okay. No, my thought is now, and and my relationship with Paramount, Viacom, and CBS, because the food business we're in together, I I left them in. They own 10% of my company. Because I felt it was smart. Because they're they're guaranteeing my IPs. So if they if I find uh, so many else is copywriting my stuff, I just call Viacom lawyers, and they and they wow. send the letter cease and desist.
0: That's not bad. It's a good, good business
1: yep. choice right there. Our
0: Discord and Patreon links are in the description. We are starting to do AMAs on Discord. And we are also now releasing a new show called The Julian and Alessi Show with my producer Alessi Aleman on Patreon along with some other exclusive content from episodes that we have
1: been putting out on YouTube that are not seen on YouTube. Oh, but most people don't know about two months ago, Campbell Soup.
0: Yeah, Camden.
1: Soup, yeah, bought a bunch of products, one of them being Rayo's. Wait, they bought they Rayo's, bought Rayos. Like,
0: commercial line?
1: Yep. They paid $2,600,000,000. <laughs> Whoa. That's what they paid for it. My company.
0: Do you have a table at Rayo's, by the way?
1: I don't even go there, the food stinks. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought he
0: was gonna say yes, that went the other way first.
1: No. I used to go to Rails when Rayo was there. Yeah. When yeah. the jet you know, then the, he took over and Mary was cooking. I mean Frankie Pellegrino did a great job. He was in the he was in the Sopranos. I he think. was in right. everything yeah, yeah. because he owned Rayo. Right. And right. they gave him tables. But when he was alive, he wasn't even alive in, in the in the place when his uncle Rayo was there. Mm. He came in later, and thank God for Regis, Philman, and and all those people. They made it what it is today, and still doing well. God bless. Yeah. But what what they just did for me, unbeknownst and indirectly. Because of that deal. That deal. Yeah. My company went five times its worth. Because who owns a more recognizable brand than Cortelyon? <laughs> I, I mean, it's incredible.
0: <laughs> I had no idea you had the IP on that. That's nuts that you got that.
1: So now I'm doing. I'm putting a, a lot more money in. I'm relaunching with QVC in the first uh, second quarter, and uh, I'm coming out with the Cortelyon Family Collection. Now, what's that comprised of? I have six sources. You're gonna love this. I got. Michael and Clemenza's meat sauce. Oh, let's
0: go. I you put in
1: the sausage, a
0: little red wine, and that's my trick.
1: And now I got... That's right. But I got Sonny's hot and spicy, because that's who he was. My arrabbiato. The, the soup, you're not going to believe. I got Connie and Carlo's wedding soup. Come on. <laughs> no, I got all the stuff. <laughs> what, this
0: line is going to go crazy. I think that... I mean, I would buy the shit out of all that stuff. So I- I'm
1: thinking, you know... I already talked to those people because they came to me because they know about my line. I said, well, you know, I'll take a billion right now and I'll give you 40% of it. They said, well, are your sales. I said, yeah, my sales are down because I was in 300-something stores. Then COVID came. Oh, shit. So I pulled back. I only went to direct sales. Like right now, if you pull up, go bond, you have to go to you, you buy it. Yeah. So now I came out with this whole new line, though. Because I saw the Clemenza was selling more than just the modern because it was named after a character. Mm. So now I have the family collection. There's six different ones. I, I got love that. Mama's modern art, Papa's tomato basil. Oh, you would love this one. Fredo's Alfredo sauce.
0: <laughs> I mean, you have to. Come on. Like the play on words right there? You got to do it.
1: No, that's what I'm doing. That's,
0: that's great, man. I mean, we've been jumping around. I love it because there's so many stories from all the different eras of your life. But you know, there, there's time in between when you were working. Well, the earliest days of you working for Costello, all the way up to when I guess you were about 29 years old, something like that, when you got casted in The Godfather. Right. So good. what? So you had mentioned like you were out in Vegas when the Rat Pack was opening up some of the clubs out there. I guess in the early 60s, and you right. were college age, that kind of thing, but in, in your 20s, were you still I know you had said you were with Costello until he died in 73, but were you still like running errands for him all the time or were you doing other things too at that point?
1: No, what happened was uh, I I really stopped the day-to-day after the assassination of John F. Kennedy 63. because, you know, I was traveling in the, in 59 to get him nominated, just messages, bringing money when you when you say t- messages to who to teamsters culinary unions all major guys that controlled everything because there was no way a catholic was going to become president
0: so question for you on this cuz that's that's one end of whipping the vote so to speak so you were involved in that the story that does seem to have a lot of evidence that has been going around for years is that Kennedy obviously won the Electoral College by a very thin margin. Like it was an upset victory when he won this right. election in right. thanks to the mob. And the story is that in the state of Illinois, which has Chicago, right. and then in Texas, which in particular I think the story was Dallas, in those two cities, a lot of dead people voted.
1: Well, the, here's the interesting thing about Dallas. July 15th, 1960, in California, I was there at the Coliseum when they announced he got the nomination. Mm. Was that at the convention? Convention, yeah. Now you can imagine Sinatra, all these guys were very instrumental. Sinatra was the go-between for everybody. Sinatra really, I mean, Kennedy, JFK, and them were like this. I was every weekend with them in Vegas. They kept an eye on him. November 5th, 1960. That's Normally at a convention, they tell you who your running mate is. He had none. Did you know that? No, I never knew Uh, that. Why? Because then the mob got to Lyndon Bain Johnson in Dallas through Jack Ruby and convinced him (laughs) and gave him money... (laughs) That Kennedy's going to do eight and then you'll do the next eight. Lyndon Bain Johnson hated Kennedy. I know.
0: So, you, this is where mm. this makes sense. He did hate him. Like, hated that them. was very real. Hated him.
1: And Lyndon Bain Johnson, once the Kennedys didn't pay the mob what they were supposed to get, see, Joe Kennedy convinced Costello. Get all your friends to back me. The first duty, if my son gets in, he will invade Cuba and get your casinos back.
0: Well, they also didn't... Correct me if I'm wrong here. They had the Appalachian happen in 57. Yeah. So then I think it was the Kefauver hearings happened after that, where they're shown on TV for the first time and everything. Costello's like, paid my tax, like that whole thing. Right. It wasn't part of it they were... I don't know the cube angle, so you can explain that. But wasn't part of it also their like layoff? We don't want to be on TV and hearings. And then Kennedy gets in, puts RFK in, and he makes it his whole like Robert F. Kennedy screwed
1: it all up. Yeah. See when he, when he obviously that he was ready to do Bay of Pigs. Right. He made his brother Attorney General. I remember everybody scattering again. I'm just a kid. They, they were phone calls go off calling Joe Kennedy. He can't do that. We don't want that kid in there. Because John didn't even realize how bad Bobby hated him. You know, Bobby hated his brother and his father. Wait, he, was, he did? He was the youngest kid. He wanted to show them.
0: RFK hated his brother, though? Yeah. Or was it more like brotherly
1: rival? No, no. He hated him because of the connection with the mob and all. that. He was a righteous guy. I was... Here's something you're going to hear that nobody that's will ever tell you this. I was at Marcellus's house in New Orleans. Carlos. Carlos.
0: He's the boss of the New Orleans
1: right. crime. And battle. he was, well, him and Anastasia ran all the waterfronts in the United States. And Albert Anastasia was a boss in New York. That's right. Yeah. But that's from San Francisco to Canada. Every waterfront they ran.
0: Now, now Anastasia got whacked in 57, though,
1: right? So that's before. Oh, yeah. No, we got, yeah, that's, yeah. A, no that's Albert. Tony, his brother.
0: Oh,
1: oh! Uh, Albert got killed in '48 at the Sherry- Park Sharon in the barber chair. I
0: thought that was '57. No, can we check that? I think that's. I, I think I'm right about that. I feel like my photographic memories. What's the name? Maybe I'm wrong though. You know better than me. It's 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 Albert Anastasia, exactly as it sounds. You're right. He was killed in a
1: barber chair. 1948.
0: It says 19. 19- 57 assassinated. Ooh, oh, I got you. I got gotcha. you wow. gotcha on that one. That's why I, I I knew that I was stuck in there in the photographic memory somewhere. But either way, he's dead. Oh, he's B- dead. With Ke- before no, but Tony coming Tony up. Tony
1: Anastasia. Tony. An- First of all, Tony Anastasia my godfather. <laughs> so I know. <laughs> Tony is my godfather.
0: So what was his was he in any way related to you or your parents no, just were friends
1: with? No. I used to see him all the time at the club. The Ravenite, we we you know so you know how many of those guys used to go to church on Sunday?
0: Oh, they don't want to church.
1: Well, the bottom line is, now I'm twelve, 12, 13 years old. I got to get a confirmation.
0: So, oh, so I asked him to be my godfather. 10. That's hilarious.
1: And you know what's so funny? Rosanna Scotto, her her grandfather is Alpha Tony Anastasia. Wait, who's Rosanna? Rosanna Scotto, th- they own. Uh, so the restaurant uh, Fresco in New York, big.
0: Yeah, I, didn't, I, I yeah. don't know well, the well, family anyway, name, but
1: yeah. her, her father was a Scotto. She, he, her father married her mother. Her mother's father was Albert Tony. Whoa! And gave him the position in the International Longshoremen. That guy went to jail for a year or two. He just died. I like the guy, but wow. they owned the restaurant on Fifty Second Street.
0: Real quick, can we put a pin in that? I just got to go to the bathroom real fast, but we're on JFK, so when we get back, we'll we'll talk about that. Hold on, everybody. All right, we're back. And actually, just continuing what you and I were just talking about off-camera before we got back on. I always think about this when I'm driving on 78 into, you know, from Bayonne towards Jersey City, and you come on the highway, and you see it's like one of the best views of the skyline coming into place right in front of you in New York. And every time I see it, there's always the thought that goes through my head of like, oh, my God, all these buildings went up with the permission of the mob. You know, the concrete, everything. Oh, like yeah. like it's whether they you like it or it not. It
1: yeah, it's crazy. It's a, I the, mean, that, that's why you're so costly to build in New York. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was even today. There's still a lot. I, I know less about how much control they have today with that. I don't know if you would. But, you know, there's they owned the unions for so many years. Like all the all the buildings were decided by. The big five, you know, the five families.
1: But they're so funny that you're saying that because early on, as soon as I was like 18, 19, I I was getting all kinds of union books. You were getting what? They gave me full books. Like I'm a local one electrician. union. I got a full book. I'm not an electrician.
0: Oh, right. So they let you go. And the
1: international long show. I got all kinds of books. But you know what is happening now? I'm getting maybe like seven, eight thousand dollars a month in pensions
0: <laughs> from from, <laughs> from the union still to this day. Well, what am I going to do? I
1: mean, I mean, yeah, they have to pay me. I mean, but comes in handy in New York. Oh, yeah, no, it's you know expensive. I mean? Oh yeah, and I mean, I, you know, I, I have. Some, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in what I'm doing now with this. Yes, you can. The last sentence in this book is "Yes, you can," because I always told, "No, you can't." Mm. So I created a a four hundred one c. 501C Corporation, nonprofit, yes, you can. And what what does that do? I give give scholarships to children in need.
0: Oh, wow. That's awesome. How long have you been doing that? Uh,
1: Just about a year. That's awesome. I, I built a lot of homes earlier on in life. I made a novena that, you know, if I got out of the hospital. So I built a couple of homes on Staten Island for Down syndrome kids. Oh, wow. So I did Very that cool. for a long time. Then my older sister got sick, so she can't run them, so I turned them over to the state and just gave them to the state. But uh, they're 12 beds, 16-bed houses. Very cool. But uh, just education to me is so important. And, I,
0: and that's I, not I, something I, you got to enjoy.
1: Yeah, and it's I actually proud, enjoy it. And I'm, I, I know myself how many times when I can't spell something, thank God we have spell right. check and all that, but... Mm-hmm. You know, years ago, I, was, I was, when I got out of Bellevue, I wasn't going to school. Right, right. I went to first grade. That was it.
0: That's crazy. That's, wow. That's like such a disadvantage, too, but you made lemons out of lemonade, like you were saying. Yeah. But to, to go back to it, not to get off it, we were talking about JFK. We went on a little tangent. We were talking about Albert Anastasia and your connection to Tony, who's his brother, who's your godfather through your confirmation. But I think the way you had brought it up, was, we we talked about RFK2 and how that deal went south once he became Attorney General and started to go after the mob, but you had brought up that part of the deal was that, meaning the mob's deal with Joe Kennedy, was that they wanted
1: John to invade Cuba
0: because well, he they he promised
1: had... them. See, when he first talked to Costello in 58 or 59 it was, he wanted the, the mob's help and so... And Costello said, well, what do we get? He said, well, the first thing he would do is have the Bay of Pigs and invade Cuba and get your casinos back. So that's why they went along with it.
0: Right, because they lost the whole business. They just chased them out. Now, what were you telling me off camera, though, that before we started— that Santo Traficante, who was the boss of the Tampa Bay family, was friends with Castro? Oh, of course, Fidel Castro for years. But the mob this is this blew my mind. The mob hated Castro because I he kicked that. him out of Cuba.
1: But they they needed him as the conduit. He was still friends with them. When they were there, they they knew about it, what was going on with the with the uh I forgot what the organization was, when before Batista got thrown out. Cuba Libre? Yeah, something like that. And Mm -hmm. and Trevor Conte played both ends against the middle. In fact, the CIA, and I don't know this to be true. uh, Johnny Rosselli was a close friend of mine.
0: Dallas, uh,
1: Chicago Johnny Rosselli? Yeah. He was a shooter for, you know, he was one of the shooters in Dallas for Chicago.
0: Did you hear that?
1: I know that for sure. You know that? (laughs) Well, that's why they found him floating in a barrel down in, in Miami. And John always had JD on everything, uh, JR rather, uh, JR on everything. So these idiots, when they killed him, then rigor mortis said they couldn't fit him in the barrel. They cut off <laughs> <up> his legs <laughs> and they painted the barrel and they put JR on the barrel. Oh, man. And the barrel breaks open and it's in the intercostal uh, d- down in there. I mean, that's what they knew he was claustrophobic and he was turning himself in. He would have nice flipped. Enough. He would have yeah. flipped. No, but that's the only reason the mob backed him. And then they went got Lyndon Bain Johnson, and they made a deal with him saying, JFK will do the first eight, you'll do the next eight. And they gave him money, and he was in. That was the first time when you, and I can't believe nobody, and I'm not into politics or anything else, but he got nominated in July, and he made the announcement November 5th 1960, whose running mate was.
0: That's nuts. I, I, I don't even know how that would work. That, that would never happen today.
1: No. They have to announce it at the convention. They normally even announce it that way. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Or
0: Yeah, usually like right before the convention, I think. Yeah.
1: Well, they're running as a team, even in campaigning. So what...
0: November, November 22nd, 1963. Let's fast forward a day before that. Where are you the day before
1: that? Do you remember? The day before that? Yes. Well, I, <laughs> I was the Tuesday before. Okay. I was with Costello. And there were certain things going on. He said, you got to leave the country. He gave mm-hmm. him a manila envelope. It was like $15,000. He said, go get some clothes. You're going to leave on the independence. Mm. Friday, November 22nd. I said, why? He said, you don't ask me that. Just go. Get off the ship in Barcelona. It's in the book. Get off the ship in Barcelona when you get there. And I wish I knew that I wasn't getting back on because all the clothes I bought and everything's in my room. <laughs> I left why did he I, I, want, do you know why he wanted you to
0: leave the country?
1: Because he knew, and unbeknownst to me, all the wiretaps, everything they had on, the kid was the messenger, so they wanted to get me. I was gone for 22 months. Nobody knew I was. Wait, wait, I, I totally misunderstood that. Who wanted to get you? What happened was, like getting him into the White House, Three years later, I'm making the same trips now, bringing back a message. Five different people. I flew, and a lot of times they wouldn't tell me or say something. It was a note or something. I'd take it, and then he'd burn it. But when they had to tell me, they'd go like this. That means I could come close. And they whispered my ear what they were going to say. hmm Five major bosses told me it's on. That's it. I'm flying all <laughs> over. It's on. So when I see Costello that morning, Tuesday morning, he says, what's the message? I said, let me tell you something. I said, I did a lot of crazy things for you. Couldn't they just said to you? What? He said, what? I said, I was going to tell him he said, no. Because they were they knew Or he knew. But you didn't know. I didn't know. But it's on. They all had a vote. They're going to kill him in Dallas. Lyndon Bay Johnson arranged to bring him there. The backup, and I've been interviewed on this so many times, and it all comes out right. The backup... Linda Bain Johnson, plus the CIA, you know about that. CIA hated Kennedys. Well, the CIA and the
0: Pentagon. Hello. Yeah, that's what I thought ran it. I'd, I've i always thought the they mob had to help the, out.
1: But. The mob, CIA, and the Texas Rangers, Linda Bain Johnson, had them backed up. I've heard that. I no. get
0: a little, the when it gets to LBJ, though, not that he was a perfect guy. He was not. He's no. not a great guy. But... I always have trouble with that one because he was literally in the car. What was it? Right behind them or in front of them? One of them. And, like, he was the vice president. If that ever got caught...
1: He wasn't in the same car, no. He wasn't in the same car, but he
0: was behind him or in front of him in another car. Yeah. It's a turkey shootout there, man. Huh? It's a turkey shootout there. Hello. You know, if there's someone... If they're... Whether you think it was Oswald or not, if there's at least one person behind who fired a shot, which I think there's good evidence for that, that that did happen, they miss a little bit. I mean, you get, you get hit, of course, if you're LBJ.
1: Well, LBJ wasn't in the car.
0: I know, but you know, some guy slips bit. on his a rifle. That's a lot of missing. <laughs> That's a lot of missing, but yeah. you know, from longer no, range like that, someone making a dumb shot, it could happen.
1: No, I, I believe me. I studied. This is going to sound really bizarre to you. I studied with a guy, and you know, you'll know the name, the Bellotti brothers. Uh, yes, Tom, yes. Tommy Bellotti was my best man in my first wedding.
0: How and many weddings have you had?
1: I had three only. And I have okay. ten mothers, though, to my kids. Ten? Ten different mothers. You're, I stopped marrying them.
0: You're honestly. replenishing the world's population yeah. over here.
1: <laughs> so I'm, I, it's a crazy story. I don't think it's in the book, but it may be. But... I, I went to Joey Bellotti and Tommy. They were very close to me. And Joey was a marksman, a great hunter. So I said, Joe, I got an idea. I got an idea. Yeah, he got in, shot in, in front of Sparks with Paul Castellano. That's right. Hello. That's where it <laughs> is. Yeah. Okay, pinning that. Keep going. So now I meet with him, and it's the world premiere to Godfather. Now, this is another problem I had that nobody knows. This is
0: years later now.
1: The world premier The Godfather. Yes, it's 72. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, but I'm saying, talk about marksman. Right, right. I think, who the hell is Johnny Russo? See, on uh, June 28, 1971, the second rally for the Italian Italian Defamation League, they shoot Colombo. Right. Tommy Bellotti calls me. Is you going to the rally today? He said, Yeah. He said, You can't go. <laughs> I said, What are you talking about? I'm on the dais. He said, You can't go. The old man do not want you to go. I said, Tommy, the guy got me to part in the movie. I got to be there. And he hung up on me. So Barry Slotnick, who was his attorney at the time, it was a young Jewish attorney. He was the attorney for the league. He was in Columbus Circle at the office with Joe Colombo and I when we sat with Al Ruddy and everybody else that they never even put in the movie.
0: That they never put in the offer? In the offer. Right, right, right.
1: We're going to come every- back to this. People everything don't was worry. Al Ruddy, 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 Ruddy. Yeah, I want you keep going. So anyway, I made the deal with him to let them shoot it. We got the world premiere in every city, and they were ready to walk out. I said, well, what about me? So we'll we'll give him a part. I said, no, no, no. I said, Joe, tell him to sit down. He didn't even (laughs) tell him to sit down. He went like this. Everybody sat down. And I'm talking to Stanley Jaffe, uh, Roos, I forgot his first name, and uh, Coppola. Mm. Not Coppola. Roddy, oh, Bobby Evans.
0: Oh, Robert, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were all
1: there. So I said, he wouldn't be sitting here unless I brought him here. I didn't want no part. So I said to him, who's playing Michael? <laughs> they said, James Caan.
0: Oh, at the time, that's right, yeah. Well, they had been looking at, like, Redford and oh, Martin Sheen and well, stuff. They
1: wanted to do Billboard. They wanted marquee right, people. Right, So then I said, well, okay, who's playing Sonny? They said, Come on, Caridi. He was in, oh yeah. He was in play and, uh the um, the man from La Mancha or something on Broadway, and they wanted this big guy.
0: Didn't he end up playing Rosado in Part Two?
1: Yeah, that was Got the it. the bone they threw. You know what what they did? They traded for Pacino. Yeah, yeah. They traded Pacino to get him from Columbia. Because that was the gang that couldn't shoot straight, and they put him in that bom- movie to bomb. Francis, I mean, that's all Oh, that's all
0: Francis doing that, because he almost lost the job because of that. But he was so he, obsessed with Michael being
1: he wanted, Al Pacino. Well, he was smart. Look at what he did. Hello.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. there was a was movie. Brilliant. I'm like the world's biggest Al Pacino fan. But there was a movie he did a year before called The Panic in Needle Park. Oh, my God. That, which was, just, that was his big movie. Fucking incredible. Yeah, and, and that was it. And Francis and went and visited the set. Yeah, he went and visited the set. It's about a heroin addict in New York City. Yeah. And there used to be a thing called Needle Park there where people would shoot up. And Francis went and saw it and said, that's the guy. And he really, I mean, he
1: almost... No, he went to bat with it. He said, I, let's not do it. Yeah. I'm not doing it.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. So you, you had said Michael, Sonny, and then you also said Orcarlo?
1: So I said, well, who's playing Carlo? They said, we didn't get to that part yet. Hello. So so I said to Joe, I want to play Carlo. So he (laughs) said, he's playing Carlo. That's
0: how it happened. Just like that. I think we said this, but in case we said it off camera for people following at home, you're talking about Joe Colombo, who was simultaneously the head of the Colombo family, one of the five families in New York, and the head of this Italian defamation league, which is like this And he created it
1: because his son was arrested. And the book just came out. And he was using the book to say they're making all the times look like gangsters right. and all that. And that's how he created the rally.
0: All right. Let's 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 go there. I think we kind of... Ra- the the JFK stuff, I feel pretty good about us getting through that. If we come back to some of that, we will. But we're getting into the heart of the story with the Godfather. So setting the stage, as you just laid out, Mario Puzo writes this book. I believe you can check this, Alessi. I think it came out in 1969 and it's like a romantic take on the mob. It's a little different than what the oh, actual yeah, mob yeah. is, for yep. sure. But guys like Joe Colombo and the mafia
1: did not want the movie made. Well, the mafia had nothing to do with Joe Colombo was doing it personally his you, son... So the mob
0: didn't care that this was being made.
1: Really? Nope. Mob not mob, the fact the mob the mob shot Joe Colombo cuz he was creating too much attention. Yeah. They had him shot. Yeah. And Joe Gallo took that contract. Yes, Joe, Crazy Joe. So Tommy Bellotti that morning calls me. I'm supposed to be on the day. The only reason I got the movie was because of Colombo. Right. Thank God I called Barry Schlotnick that morning. The I should, lawyer. The lawyer. I said, you got to talk to Joe. He was already in the headquarters. And Joe was on the way in from Brooklyn for the rally. He said, I can't go. He said, what are you talking about? I said, I got stomach poison or something. I the only place I'm sitting is on the toilet. <laughs> Let him jump, You know, I had to say something. One day goes by. Two days go by. Now they start looking at the, because he got shot. They look at the crime scene. There's a chair on the stage with my name on it. And you weren't there. So they want to know why Johnny Russo wasn't here. OCB wanted to know, Colombo family wanted to know, everybody wanted to know where it was and why wasn't I there. But if I didn't have that conversation with Barry Schlotnick, so I tell Costello, I said, he said, what happened? I said, good, now we're now, you know, they guy got to get shot and all this. I said, I, Tommy Baladi called me, told me I couldn't go. He said, what'd you do after that? I said, I called Barry Schlotnick." He said, wait a minute, you called Barry Schlotnick?" I told him what I told him. He said, get out of here. Get lost, I'll handle this. Because she had to go see people to say, listen, talk to Barry, Barry called him. The why he wasn't there is because he had diarrhea. (laughs) Legitimate. Mm,
0: I guess so. And you're filming The Godfather while this is going oh, on. Oh, yeah.
1: We you're were, in the middle. This the, is June 1971. Is, we're ready to wrap it in August. We wrapped it in August. The film came out in February. And how long was the
0: shoot? 55 days? Something yeah, like it that? Yeah, was something crazy. To, yeah, it was you fast. Guys, you guys, yeah. were loading a lot.
1: Oh, no, there. we were doing it. So now I want to come in. But I figured, you know, they're sending me invitation and all that. I didn't come in. They're going to grab me. Come I'm, in where? I was, in, I was in Vegas. I was gonna come in for the premiere, so they were gonna grab me. Either the Columbus were gonna kill me, or New York cops are gonna say, why wasn't I here? I can't say Tommy Bellotti called me, because then they knew it was a hit. Mm. So, I wanted to come in, and I came up with this idea. I would meet Joe Bellotti, who was a marksman. I said, when I get out of the car, or well, we get to the premiere that night, they're going to announce, because Army Archer was on one side of the sidewalk, had his TV show, and Merv Griffin on the other side. It was live, live at Paramount, world premiere of Godfather. I said, they're going to say Johnny Russo, and they're going to think about pizza. Who's Johnny Russo? <laughs> I said, I got an idea, Joe. Put you on a roof down there somewhere. And when I get out of the car, you shoot me. He said, what? I said, shoot me. You're a great shot. I said, I'll be a hit. I'll be a known star in a minute. Yeah. Getting shot down on the sidewalk in The Godfather. Oh, yeah. So we studied it. We went up. He we did this. He Like you're saying, he said, if a wind comes up, you're that dead. bullet, you ain't gonna control it. You're dead. Yeah. He's. Like, I can't shoot. I can't do that. I won't do it. I won't do it. Right up to the last minute, I canceled. In fact, I had Doctor Theodore Jacobs with me, my doctor, as my date that night because I thought I was ready to do it. Wait, Theodore
0: Jacobs. Why do I know that name?
1: Oh, well, that name. Well, you is must know the guy Vegas. Was it,
0: is that? No, different guy. All right, no, never no, no, mind. No. I'm not. I'm not gonna bring it up. Okay. No, no. All right, that would have been totally different.
1: No, no, Dr. Jacobs is a doctor in Vegas, a very famous doctor, because of his his association with Elias Ghanem, who was Dr. Feelgood to Elvis. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, you knew Elvis a
0: little bit, too. Oh, yeah, did I ever? Okay, all right, we'll, we'll come back to that. Yeah. But on, on, on The Godfather. So I'd said this book comes out, Paramount buys the rights to the movie, you're saying it was really Columbo who cared more than anyone else about it being made because of his whole Italian Defamation League stuff. So the way I understand it is that Columbo goes to the studio and says, you're not making this movie.
1: Oh, he made send threats. They blew yeah. up the gates. They did a lot of things. They blew
0: up the gates. They sent a message, yeah. Okay. So Paramount wants to make it. How did they approach, did they just, did like Robert Evans reach out directly to Colombo and say, I want to meet about this, we'll no, talk about let's your see role? That. see,
1: what I did, I, I had a few dollars at that time. I shot a screen test for Michael, Sonny, and Carlo, because they had in the newspaper, they were going to use Italian-Americans to be Italians, and all this, the, the book was so good, you know, they don't need stars. So I made this tape. Had you ever acted before? No. Never had film before. Never did it before. But I figured I could do it. So I shot a scene for each one. And when I shot it, not knowing film, Allen Photography in Vegas sold me the film. And it was 14-millimeter mag stripe. But it was old film. It came out sepia color. Now, I knew nothing about this. I shot the thing. Coppola was trying to convince Paramount he wanted to shoot it in sepia to make it look old. Mm. Now, the only thing they had was my test. <laughs> so they sent it all around the studio. I didn't know that. Mm. So I'm sitting at the Gulf and Western building, which is Trump Plaza and Columbus Circle. That was the Gulf and Western building. Gulf and Western just bought Paramount. Oh, they did? That was their first film. Hmm. And what nobody knew, Gulf and West was controlled by people in Italy. <laughs> uh, and they didn't want the film made at all.
0: Now, who are the people in Italy? The
1: mob? Yeah. Hmm. So maybe that's where you picked up that little thing. But New York didn't give made, made the movie or not. They, they, well, there was a story that
0: when they were shooting... The scene in Little Italy where Vito gets shot, right, when he's going and buying the oranges. Right, 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 That was actually in Little Italy. And around the corner, the place you mentioned earlier that Carlo Gambino used to go the to. The co- No, no, no. The place you would mention. Oh, he- Ferraris. Ferraris. That's yeah. it. He was sitting there sipping a coffee, and there was like, I don't know if this is urban legend, but there was like an understanding that this is okay. This is allowed to happen. Like, I'm here. You can do it. Yeah. So I always thought it was it was more widespread that they didn't want it to happen. But it, I guess you're saying it was the guys in Italy and Colombia. Well, see
1: what what happened with, with little let's say Little Italy for instance. They had to make a deal with everybody down there mm. because what people don't realize when you see that scene and look up, there's no air conditioners in the windows. There's nothing. Mm. They had to pay everybody. So that's how they got involved. Mm. <laughs> they paid everybody to change that street. Every you think those the, F them, we ain't taking our record there's j- July. They had to pay. They had to pay. And
0: then you think about what they did. I mean the picture's right there behind you, but you think about what they did in the second movie where they transformed it into I know. nineteen seventeen. Oh, I, I love it. Uh, it's a ama- it's yeah. that shot that they have of De Niro walking out of the fruit store with the fruit basket over his shoulder oh, and the yeah. camera pulls out i don't know if we can put that in the corner of the screen while we're doing this I'm not gonna copyright but that is one of the coolest shots ever and then you think about that and and you see the set when he's climbing the over rooftop the roof. to when go think, yeah. to go kill the boss i'm just like no, my no. my head's going cha-ching 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 oh, cha-ching yeah. oh no man <laughs> the amount of money that must cost yeah. even back well, then well
1: they made all that money from one that yeah, they never do it. that's what it was about that's true
0: but even the first one they made it look they really oh, no, they, everything was Yeah. it was incredible what yep. they did it's amazing but yeah so you you send in those tests and then they're I guess negotiating with Colombo. you find out that so, Caridi is. so supposed- how
1: that works for me okay I go to the Gulf and Western Building I'm in the lobby yeah and they all say, that's the guy from the test. <laughs>
0: hey, hello.
1: So I said, you're having a problem with, with the Columbia? Oh, no, we're not. I said, don't tell me you're not. I just left them. <laughs> they all did they, they,
0: They're like, who the fuck is
1: this guy? said, what do you mean you just left them? I said, I just met the legal office. The legal office was on Madison Avenue. Mm. Just left Barry and him. Because I told him, let me go try to talk to him. He said, can you do that? I said, well, give me permission. So he looked at Barry, said, should we let him go talk? I said, well, what could you lose? That's why I went up there. So they said, wait down here. I thought maybe they call the cops. Stanley Jaffe's secretary comes down and says they want you to come up. I come up. I said, let me tell you something. Why don't you bring the guy in? Sit him down. Barry Slotnick will read it. If there's things that he wants taken out, the script. L- the script, let him mark it up. And if you approve it, they'll give you a go-ahead and get you the neighborhoods, get you the cooperation. That's how that all happened. You never saw that in the offer. No.
0: <laughs> wow. So you were—that's basically you and the big guy.
1: And that's how I got the ball.
0: And then, and then right there, he's like, he's going right. to play Carlos.
1: In fact, there is a biography about uh, Barry Slotnick on his life page 70 and 71, it says, that's how it happened. And wow. no, nobody even, you know, Joe Colombo, Barry was there, he read it. Did you, because obviously the movie has
0: not filmed even one scene at this point, did you have any idea how big this had the potential to be?
1: We never thought it was going to come out because Paramount kept wanting to pull the plug on it. They didn't like Pacino. They didn't like anything. And they, and they Right. But before it even got filmed,
0: before all the drama, we'll talk about that in a second. Right. But before all that, was there the thought like, whoa, if this movie gets made and some decent people are in it and they do a good
1: job, this could be one of the biggest things of all time? They thought so, but nobody else did i and Gulf of Western, they wanted it out. Mm. And they, they were threatening all the time to close it down.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Coppola said it was the worst experience of his life, yep. making that movie. Oh, no. He said he enjoyed the second one, but the first one was brutal. Yeah. Because they had a guy, I don't know how true this is, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but apparently they literally had a guy there ready to fire him at any minute with a oh, director yeah. to step
1: in. Yeah.
0: That's crazy. No. Oof.
1: No, they had directors they wanted to use, even.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No,
1: I mean, it was crazy.
0: So so you get the part. You guys filmed it all in 1971. movie comes out, I, I want to say, like, March 72, something like that?
1: Yeah, something like that. Somewhere in
0: there? Okay. How? What was your first experience... I assume you had like a giant cast meeting before you ever go to film and stuff like that where you meet the rest (laughs) of the cast. Like what did the other actors think of you?
1: That is a classic. The only saving grace for me, I I would have probably got fired, the first cast meeting, was 119th Street Patsy's. Now I used to to go up there all the time because I used to bring overnight loans up there for Costello (laughs) because, you know, that's Fat Tony Salerno's place. And they had Zigane games and all that. So when they put the call sheet out, that that's where the the thing, you know, the rehearsal's going to be. I go, and I had that. time. I had a sixty-five Bentley with a Chinese chick chauffeur. I'm wearing Brioni suits already. So I go up there earlier because I wanted to see Tony Federici, (laughs) Danny Pagano. All these really guys were there all the time in the afternoon. So they said to me, "What are you doing here so early?" I said, "I'm here for the movie." I said, "What movie?" "The Godfather movie." Yes, yeah. So what are you going to do? I said, I am acting. I got a big talk. <laughs> they said, are you crazy? Get out of here. And everybody I used to say until the movie came out, they thought I was lying about it. <laughs> Which only <clears throat> leads me to what happens with me and Brando in here. You can't believe this story. I'm shocked you didn't hear this one.
0: I've heard this one. Okay. But you got to tell it on the podcast for people to have it.
1: So now, you know.
0: I didn't realize this was the very first. B-
1: b- before they bring... Brando into the room. The whole cast is there, all in line and family. And they, re- you know, they said we're just going to read the script, and you know, there's no acting. We're going to go through it. Everybody get familiar. But most important, all the Italians. We want you to exaggerate your hand gestures, your eating habits. We're going to have food because the non-Italians, like James Caan, being Jewish. Marlon Brando, being Polish, has to become Italian the next five days in these rehearsals. Mm. And then they said, now we're going to bring him in. Don't have any eye contact with him during the breaks. I know you all want to talk to him. Brando? Brando. Don't go near him. Hey, I don't care. I'm just happy to be there. I mean, you know. <laughs> we go through the rehearsal like 45 minutes. going to take a break. Brando comes walking over to me. And I'm looking around, where's he coming? He's coming to me. He says, uh, you're a big TV actor. I said, no. He says, you got a big movie coming out. I said, no. He says, well, you're not on Broadway. I know everybody on Broadway. I said, you're right again. What's this, a quiz show? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I ain't going to be intimidated by Brando. What do I care? You know.
0: You're not even an actor. You're Guess just... what
1: he says, though? He calls Coppola over. He says, Francis, this guy's not an actor. And Coppola didn't hire me. Coppola no, did not hire me. You. Joe Colombo hired me. Yeah. Yeah. And he rolled his eyes. You knew I wasn't an actor. He says, and I never broke down the script. He <laughs> says, this guy marries my daughter, undermines my family, gets my oldest son Sonny killed, gets my son Michael involved in the business. You got to rethink this. You got to fire him.
0: And you're standing right there. I'm standing there.
1: Now, I don't know protocol. I don't know. I can't dismiss Coppola. <laughs> he's the director. I said, Francis, do me a favor. Go over there, <laughs> and he goes. Now the whole room, all these thespians that know all this, they're all saying, "Like, who's this guy? You know, Sterling Hayden's dead. Richard Conte, just a major actor. Yep. Now." I create a sacrilege. I put my arm around Brando. <laughs> I said, come over here. I want to talk to you. Because I didn't want to embarrass the guy. And okay. I knew there was no zigging that game in the back. So I get him out of earshot. I'm face to face with him. I said, let me tell you something, Mr. Brando. All due respect, I know who you are. But you get me fired. You get me fired from here. I will suck on your heart. You will bleed out. You hear me? <laughs> and he's looking at me. He steps back. He says, that was brilliant. That was excellent.
0: <laughs> he said, I was <laughs> acting. I was ready to take the bomb out.
1: I couldn't go back to the neighborhood if I didn't get the part after uh, this. He's
0: you know. like, that guy will do. He's yeah. good. Uh-oh. He can act.
1: And we became very close did friends. Did he
0: actually think you were acting,
1: like, doing that? Did he? I'm telling you what he did. Dick Smith, his his makeup man, he's on every film with him. Took him three hours every day oh, to yeah. transport him into that. Yeah. He used, and you couldn't go near the dressing couldn't do none of that. And we were on the compound up there in Staten Island. That's where they in the, the house. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. we were in, using them as dressing rooms, the interiors. <laughs> and he used to go get that kid. And we'd run lines. He, sh- he came on the set on time for me to shoot. He wasn't working that day when Pacino and I were going to do that, that scene. And then and you could see the eight days. Number one's number. Who told who, who, number one to come? They will. <laughs> and he said, I'm here to help that kid. Wow.
0: You were getting lessons from the greatest actor to ever fucking do it.
1: Because when he said to me, and, you, and it's on, on screen now, he's when he hands you the airline ticket, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. He said, I want you to look at the ticket. You read the script. You know you're going to die. But you can't telegraph that. You're on an 18-foot screen, they're gonna see it. You gotta think, so you gotta look at that ticket like it's a security blanket. Wow. You're gonna get out of here, I'm really gonna get to Vegas. So that was that whole thing. And then when you tear up, and no, I mean, now I'm an actor, but I'm sitting there, I'm saying, how am I gonna do this? It's an,
0: I remember the first time when I was a kid, and researching, because I was obsessed with the movie, and finding out who you were, and finding out that you had never acted before. that i was blown away because you were i can't see anyone else doing that role i mean i'm sure some great actors could have have done it it, but you nailed it i mean everything felt it felt method actory you know what i mean like it felt very real obviously we all know the visceral nasty scene where you gotta beat up your wife in the movie and everything but you're just you just embodied the whole thing, but that la- to hear the backstory, of that last scene—that's it. He that's did it, that's that's amazing because that's to me like that's what makes the actors great, making things simple and relatable at the same time, and uh, that's exactly what he was telling you to do. You nailed yeah. it. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: And You know, it's so funny because you know, as we sit here and talk about it, even now, it's it's like it's uh, that. I don't know what I would what I would be doing today if I was not in that movie. Is that crazy to say?
0: No, it's not cuz you were you were a young man when this was happening yeah. and this this set your whole life on a whole different yeah. you you had a major part in hands down without question the greatest thing ever captured on film artistically. Yeah. It's, I mean, do you ever pinch yourself with that? Just like holy shit. Well, oh, I
1: think about it all the time. I mean, I, I mean my house is surrounded by Godfather. Yeah. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah. yeah. But uh, and it's not over.
0: No, no, and, and, it's and, and, not and they over. keep and they obviously they've put it in what's it, the American Film Institute, the official role oh, that, yeah. that they did, but they've retouched it up over the years. You watch it now minus the one part that they can't retouch because it's in the archives where Sonny's right. hand misses your face. Right. That's like the only mistake
1: in the whole movie. Well, they movie. can't touch it because it's... A, once I, I found this out. The 25th uh, anniversary. We'll go to San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're watching the movie, and the, and the thing is still in there. I said, Francis, why did not you recut that? He said, we can't touch the negative. Mm-hmm. Because it's a, it's an Academy Award winner, and that's what's crazy is that
0: the one mistake is in that scene where he we can probably put this in the corner of the screen, Alessi, but where where Sonny is beating you up and they have the side shot of Jimmy Khan, where his fist misses the front of and your I face. And how react to it?
1: Yeah, and you're like, oh! ah. Yeah. But but and you know what's so funny? We had that covered. There were seven cameras rolling. I from know. rude, everything. But also, the scene was... Re- didn't he really hurt you in the oh scene? Oh, my God. Yeah, he did. Jimmy so, was... like,
0: he missed you on that shot, but the irony is he oh, was no, really no. hitting you and shit.
1: Well, the way he really hit me was with the garbage bail covers. There was yeah. steel. Oh, so nice. he chipped my elbow, and then I knew I had to crawl out because we choreographed it the day before. There was, like, 17 different camera setups from the from the porch where I was, run across the street. Then he throws me over the, the banister... And then he beat him and then I had to crawl out at the end of the scene when he drop kicks me and rolls me over to the hydrant. Now we had that all down as soon as he touched me, I rolled. He lifted me up and broke two ribs that day. <sighs> now he hated me.
0: Now yeah now you're the background there, you and Jimmy Kahn from the get-go didn't get
1: along. Why was that? I found out later on because Jimmy Kahn, as I said earlier, was cast as Michael.
0: Oh, Rich. yeah, you can see his tryout tape for that. That's on the internet. what I'm saying, yeah,
1: he thought me taking the part and everybody getting involved. That's how he got the smaller part of Sonny. Sonny was gone halfway through the first one; couldn't come back. I don't think. Do you think Coppola would ever
0: stuck with him for Michael though, because he didn't look the part?
1: No, no way, right? But that that was Bobby Evans wanted him. Because don't forget, he just did Brian Piccolo. He had all uh, yeah, all those TVQ stuff. Yeah, they were looking at box office movie stars. Ryan O'Neill was was yep. up for it. I yep. mean, come on. Yeah, I mean,
0: was he a dick to you from the start, though? Oh, from the start, like the first day you're in Patsy's, was just giving you the cold shoulder.
1: Well, from day one, always. Like I was one of them, you know. Got it. Yeah, yeah. But and, the, and the FBI, the, the FBI opened a file
0: on him. Apparently, oh, I don't yeah. know if this is like oh, I've, they, they I've heard because this
1: because of, of Junior, Junior Persico, yeah, because he was hanging out I with know, all with the, the, the mobsters. Ball. Oh, you don't hold it! I'll tell you another story when Tommy, when Tommy Bellotti was with me and Buzi the you, you know the last name, Frankie Boy the who got shot down in Brooklyn, the underboss. Well, Buzi DeChico was a boss in the Gambino family. Mm. And I was out with him. I know the guy hundred years. So I'm with Tommy Bellotti, Boozy DiCicco, in Jilly's on 52nd Street on a Saturday night. Mm. We're at the front bar.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Jimmy comes out, and he says, Junior's in the back, and he wants you to come and say hello. He's with his daughter. I know Junior hundred years. So I go back there, we hug, we kiss. And Junior had a, 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 a nobody knew, he had a, a gimp hand.
2: Mm.
1: So we had something in common with polio. So I'm looking at him, and then I, and then I turn around and said, Junior, your daughter's gorgeous, my God. <laughs> and he looked at me, and one thing about him, he telegraphs. And I said, uh, J- Jimmy just set me up. And I left. So... Before going back to the bar, I went down to the stairs. So as soon as I go down the stairs, I don't catch it. They're behind me. Two of Junior's guys follow me down. Tommy Bellotti catches it. Goes down. I'm at the urinal. They come in. One guy stands in the door on the inside. And the guy in the urinal, hey, asshole. You just embarrassed Junior. That's his girlfriend, not his daughter. And just as I say that, Tommy... I don't know if he hit it with the shoulder or whatever, but he pushed, the bathroom's an narrow. Pushed the guy, get his head and bangs it on the sink. Oh, old well, jujitsu. He said, yeah. now what are you gonna do? He said, oh, this punk, punk banging against him. He says, what's this about? And he said, well, he went to the table and it was Junior's girl. He said, well, your friend, your Jewish friend told him that Junior was there with his daughter. By this time, now Boozy's there. So Boozy goes upstairs. They could talk, Junior and him, because they're both made guys. Mm-hmm. Everybody else wasn't made yet. So they go in the kitchen in Jilly's. Next, they call Jimmy. Jimmy goes back there and you hear, pa, pa. Junior <laughs> smacks
0: him twice. Oh, I thought it was a gun sound first. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. Oh,
1: yeah. Smacks him. So we walk back, and he apologized to me, Junior. He said, Johnny, I'm sorry. <laughs> This guy <coughs> wants to hang around with me to learn. He's playing this part. I said, I know. He said, Well, I'm going to teach you something, Jimmy. Junior says to him, He's now they own you. He says, What do mm-hmm. you mean? He said, Well, you did something here. This guy is a friend of ours. Johnny's a friend of ours. You're a friend on the street. But he's- He said, friend of ours? Yeah, meaning me.
0: Yeah, interesting, though. Interesting language choice there.
1: So, Jimmy, uh, Tommy wanted to kill him that night. I said, Tommy, we shoot it in the movie. you kill him, the movie's over. <laughs> <laughs> so, and Tommy got right, right in his face. I own you that. You heard him say, I own you. I'll get him with you. Mm. Never happened, but. And so
0: James was hanging out with some of these guys, though.
1: All the time. Yeah, he Bushy, like got Bushy, really John into it. Richie John Musso, Pussy, all those guys.
0: Can you pull up Journey, Junior Persico, if you don't mind, Alessi?
1: Oh, Junior yeah. was a major guy,
0: though. Didn't he? Didn't he? Didn't die that long ago. No. Right, that was pretty yeah. recent. Yeah. He was down with Madoff in prison, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Wow, because he was in the in the big. 86 Rico trial, right? Yep. That was where there was the five bosses. Yeah, I forget what they called that. Yeah, there he is, yep, he is. Persico. God, what a bulb on him! Oh he my god, he could smoke a cigarette in the rain with a hand tied behind his back. Yeah, wow. Hmm. Tough so, guy, though. so yeah, well, I mean, he was the boss of the boss of the family. Well. Definitely a tough <laughs> son of a bitch. But so you and James didn't get along. So when you were doing, how long was that shoot? That that where he comes to beat up
1: your character. Did that take all day? Oh yeah, I was hurt, but I figured you know. You just kept coming. My first movie. No, I wanted to do it, so we yeah. did it. You know, I ain't going to complain. Oh, even though, even when he came out of the car and threw that stick at me, that wasn't that, that wasn't in the rehearsals. Mm. He got a, a billy stick and cut it in half, and he must have been practicing all night. Come he, here, come yeah. here. Yeah, he threw it and hit me right on the head. One take. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, who
0: else? Who else in the cast? Did you get along with really well, at least?
1: Pacino was very nice. You know, we had a lot of scenes together, so it was easy. But other than that, I mind my own business because Mm. you know, I was making so much money, I was making the calls. Nobody knew this. I can say it now. What do you mean you were making the calls? (laughs) Well, we had seven hundred people up there for the weddings. The wedding scene, yeah, yeah, the the, wedding scene in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were all seven hundred people, right? So I'm looking around, and we had a union delegate up there, and I said, he's looking at everything. <laughs> so I went down, and I called on him because we had no soda to drink, no water to drink, <laughs> because then what they'd have to do when they say roll them, everybody had to get rid of the plastic cup. They're not plastic cups. Mm. So I so they came to me because I knew everything on Staten Island. So how can we get cases of soda up here and all that? I said, what's the budget? We take care of it. I said, yeah. You want to serve? They said, yeah. So I went to community college. It was Staten Island Community College, right down the street where we were on the unit parking lot. And I went to the drama class. I said, you guys want to come on the set? Because it was a closed set. They said, yeah, you have to serve soda. Be quiet. And followed them. (laughs) They were paying me $18. I was buying this soda. For six, seven dollars on Highland on Boulevard from so you,
0: so you were running
1: a little, oh, little scheme right there? Oh, even the wedding cakes. They had to get a, a wedding cake. And make oh. your
0: daughter a bigger cake.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I said, Little Rosa's. I, I got Little Roses. So I went to Little Rosa's Bakery down on, on um, Olympia Boulevard in South Beach. I says, You want to make the cake for the wedding? He says, Oh, yeah. I says, They ain't paying you nothing for it. Says, oh, you just got to oh, make our. it. They gave me 1500 for the cake. <laughs> and then they needed two. No. They needed one for cutting. They needed for the set. out of styrofoam. So oh, so he made he made he made ones. like six, seven thousand dollars on oh cakes. My
0: now what's that conversation like with Coppola? Like, Frank, I got the cake. Relax. Is that it?
1: Yeah, no, we're not even him. It was the set designer. Don't worry about it. I got they the cake. They said go see Johnny. He knows everybody. I, I I took care of them a little too.
0: And you got Morgana King, the wife of of Vito cast? Yeah.
1: Because they needed a woman that could speak Sicilian. Which is way different than regular Hello, Italian dialect. That dialect, you know, yeah. Oh, it's different. And I knew her well. How so, did you know her? Just from hanging out in New York in the clubs. She killed it. She did oh, she a great job yeah. with that. Yeah. She was yeah. perfect. Yep. Yeah.
0: Perfect. And then also, you casted the, the musicians at the wedding, too? Yeah. You knew those guys? Yeah.
1: Well, a lot of them. And then Luca Brazzi... Oh yeah, he was a real mobster. Yeah, Lady Montana. He yeah. was a wrestler and a collector <laughs> for the mob. You don't say. And they they saw him. They loved him. And one of the and this is a classic for your audience to know. When you digest the scene of Luke Brasi, he's a, a mobster killer, for, and he was his man. Why would he be rehearsing your script, Godfather? On your day of his wedding, it wasn't I real. wish you yeah. were never. He was rehearsing his yeah. lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Frank thought it was good. I closed and shot it, put it in the movie. <laughs> Nobody figured out, why does this guy... Guy can't even supposedly read. How's he reading his script over and over? Don Colleone. Yeah. I am
0: grateful and honored. Oh, my God. I'd heard that one before. That's... The, the other one... Because like when, when I was in college, I had some people close to me who were telling me I needed to get into acting. So I looked at it for – there was about a year there where I did – I didn't really talk about it, but I, I thought about it. You know, I read Lee Strasberg's book, the whole bit, and I studied these guys. I watched every frame that Marlon Brando ever filmed, and he was, in my opinion, without question, the greatest ever doing. Mm. But the genius of the godfather to me with him – was that he was at a point where he was kind, you know, he was as you said, and you would know a lot better than me, but he was a different kind of guy, right? And at that point, he had actually become a little bit within the studios persona non grata because he was a diva in some ways oh, yeah, no, on, no.
1: on the sets. Well, he you know he wanted certain things, yeah, and yeah. demanded it, and they didn't want to use him no more. But he, when he did this movie, a guy
0: who has zero percent Italian blood in him embodied the bulldog oh God, yeah. of what this is and there's a famous picture Leslie I don't know if you can pull it up and put it in the corner of the screen but if you type in Robert Duvall Marlon Brando
1: script
0: godfather
1: oh on with the sh- with the yes. writing on them yeah. yes
0: so see do you see a picture of you see the it, one where where it. Duvall's wearing the the script yeah, there it is.
1: Yeah. so He never studied his lines. He
0: didn't know a single fucking line. No. So when you watch the opening scene in that film, which is the greatest, I think a glorious bastards has the second greatest, the opening scene, seven minutes of the Godfather is the greatest opening to a movie ever done. I believe in America, pulling it out for four and a half minutes or three and a half minutes, whatever it is on the slow zoom. And you see this guy sitting around like, well... If I'm paralyzed in America, I'm not going to try admit it. And he's looking around in what feels like this thinking man's way. And yet, as I understand it, they had the cue cards all Everywhere.
1: over yeah. the whole. S- yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah, but you know what he did, too? I was, because I got really close to him. He used to, and I, you know what I gave him as a gift? What was that? My Chinese chick driver. He took a bike. <laughs> She fell in love with him. They were dropping me off first and then going, going, going to the Elysee Hotel. He was staying at the Elysee. And she stayed with him all night. And then at the end of the movie, I said, Why don't you go? You know, she went didn't back you, didn't to you his get, island. Didn't you get Al, Al Ruddy
0: one of those too
1: at yeah. one point? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Now he loved Chinese oriental well, girls too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, you, so he obviously liked you and was helping you out, but were you. You said you kind of stuck to yourself and everything, but did, I guess
1: if he was teaching you along the way, were you hanging out with him a little oh, bit? Oh, I was with Brando every day. Yeah. Oh, when he was on the set, I was there every day. It was like a three-hour lesson a day, going over lines, going over talking. And every that's another reason James Caan hated me. Mm, he wanted jealous. to be up his ass, and yeah. I'm with the guy. And I used to pick him up. We used to pick him up at the hotel. Where was he staying? He was at the Elysee. mm on on the uh, forty fifth or something like that, he liked it there. That's a little hike to Staten Island every day, though. Yeah, but we, we everybody was staying. The the cast was staying at the Park Lane, mm. further up. And you're living in New York at yeah, this I was time, right? In, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it, I'd swing by and pick him up, and I'd have a bottle of in him when he'd have his coffee. And we'd sit there in the back with the tables open and drinking. That's how the mooning started. Remember keep, keep keep with the mic. Sorry. You heard about but all the mooning, right? When he would moon like other people on the Yeah, cast? they had, they had yeah. a contest about mooning. Yeah, And how it started, going down Park Avenue, as you know, there were red lights, you stop, red lights, you stop. So the, the station wagon, they had Robert Duvall, Jim Kahn, I think Pacino, the the, the top cast, going to stand Island. We had a red light. One red light they looked, two red lights they looked. After the fourth red light, Jimmy Conn stuck his ass out the window of the station wagon <laughs> and mooned us. <laughs> That's how the mooning started. Oh, my God. The, I the, mean, I think there was so immature mooning. I saw well, you crazy. But he
0: was like that, no? Like oh, he was a really immature guy.
1: Oh, my God. A yeah. jerk. A jerk. Yeah, and, and Brando was also... He loved he loved practical jokes. Yes. Well Je- Brando won the contest. Is for with the Luca Brasi thing, the fuck no, you on the No. For the mooning. Oh, on the mooning. The weather the the uh the wedding picture we were about to take and he <laughs> looks and he says Where's Michael? And he wasn't there yet. He said, No we wait for Michael He had his pants undone already. <laughs> the whole wedding, the young kids are there. He mooned, because I forgot how many, you have to be the moon, the one that moons the most people or something like that. And he did. He mooned the, the whole cast was there. Little kids, ring bearers, everybody. Can you imagine doing that today? <laughs> He'd be, he'd be in prison. Oh
2: yeah, <laughs> he'd be in prison.
0: <laughs> and I mean and his ass
1: was nothing to look at, believe me. Oh my uh, god. No, no, I can
0: I can imagine that wasn't a sight to behold. Did you ever party with him?
1: Oh yeah.
0: Where do you take him to some places?
1: No, we that's why he stood at the Elysee. It's the monkey bar. He loved the monkey bar. Wait, that's
0: where is that the same monkey bar I'm thinking of?
1: Yes. It's the only monkey bar in New York. It's between uh, Madison and Park. On what street? On 45th, I want right, to say. That's this,
0: fuck, I think I, I had an event there
1: like five, six years ago. That's a good bar. Great bar. Great bar. Well, he was staying there all the time. I mean, I'll tell you a little history about where we are here. You know In when? They, yeah. You know when they did On the Waterfront? Oh, yeah. that was right over here. They shot it yep. here because they wanted the New York skyline.
0: Yeah, four blocks from here, literally. Okay.
1: You know who was tending bar? The bar he was in every night while he was waiting to shoot. This would be in like '52, something like that.
0: Is it a big name? I assume. Dolly,
1: Sinatra, Frank's mother. Oh
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Frank's mother. And there's Frank right
1: behind you on the wall. He couldn't believe it. He was saying like because he loved Frank, obviously, and and she. Did you ever get to meet her at all? No. You know, I know anything about her. No. She was like a truck driver. Yeah. Hey, asshole, get the fuck over, Ed. <laughs> That's how she talked. And he wanted me, Frank wanted me to marry his daughter, Tina. Tina's the oldest daughter. How did you know Frank? I, oh, man. Frank Sinatra, when you hear this story, you won't believe. Try me. I'm in a polio ward. I've heard Award. something today. <laughs> I'm in the polio ward. Nothing's happening. No TV, nothing. You're staring at ceilings. Dolores Barone, I was getting depressed. I got there August 9th. My birthday was coming, December 12th. The night before my birthday, she brought me a transistor radio. Carlo Gambino sent me a transistor radio for my Whoa. birthday. He said I follow Oh, yeah, because your family went yeah, way back with exactly, him. Exactly, yeah. Okay. And my uncle in, in Sicily. right. My uncle was hung in 1948 when they were cleaning up called the Cosa Nostra. In Wait, in 48? Yeah, they were I
0: thought they were more like that was post World War II when Calavaccini helped yeah. them get across the island. They were still well, coming that, that after. Well, that was him?
1: what's your name? That was uh, um, Vito Genovese. No, the the the, 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 the tough guys. Grape, do you ever hear a guy called Gorapa? He he just died. I was at the funeral. 98 years old he was when he died. Maybe, but it's not ringing a bell right now. Well, you know, G- Grappa is the toughest, the strongest licker there is. Yes. Do you know why he got the name? I assume somehow he ended someone's life? No, you won't believe this. As a teenager, when they were doing all this cleaning up, they handcuffed him to a light bulb while they were running around the they, they Like a lamppost, you mean? A lamppost scene. Yeah. They handcuffed him to him. When they came back... The lamppost is gone. <laughs> no. He cut off his own arm at the elbow, and his arm was still in the thing. To get out of handcuffs. Yeah. He, he cut off get his out own arm. Cut his own arm, because everybody had knives then. But he cut off his own arm and then snapped it. What were they arresting him for? We were cleaning up. He was going to go away. Then he went into hiding forever. He just died. He was the world boss. Wait, he was a zip. He was the he was the boss of bosses over there. Yeah. Oh, okay, never yeah, came yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, he never came here.
0: No. All right. Whoa. <laughs> but your uncle it was your uncle that got hung in '48. Yeah. So they were doing some. I didn't know about that. I thought yeah. they were more powerful than ever at that
1: point. There, there. Maybe I'm There was a regime they wanted. That was. It, I think they made a deal. Like, to be honest with you, right. they gave up some of the people they wanted to get rid of. Them.
0: Got it, because I was going to say, like Mussolini obviously oh, went in and was cleaning house when he got in. Yeah, That's why, that was part of why Bonanno came mm-hmm. over here and mm-hmm.
1: everything. Okay,
0: very interesting. But we, we were talking about this with Sinatra. So Carlo Gambino sends you a transistor a radio transistor while radio. you're in the hospital.
1: Because I was getting depressed. She gives it to me night before, December 11th. I turn the radio on 6 o'clock in the morning, and everything's about Sinatra. Frank Sinatra this, Frank Sinatra, humble beginnings from Hoboken. His father was Todd Shipyard. He's my birthday. Mm. And he's telling me about this. He inspired me to get out of that friggin' hospital because I was getting depressed. Wow. That's cool. And I figured if he could make it, I could make it. Spin forward four years later. I'm working for Costello. I get to the Copacabana. There's lines outside already. Oh, wow. I go down the kitchen and he's doing a sound check. So he looks at me, he looks at Julie Bodell, like to say, who's this kid? And Julie Bodell says to him, oh no, that's Co- Costello's boy. I felt six foot tall. So I sat down, listened to the sound check. He, they take a break. He puts a cigarette in his mouth. I walk over, light the cigarette. And I said, Mr. Sinatra, you saved my life. He said, yeah, how'd I do that? I said, well, I told him I had polio, that, the other, and, and Carlo Gambino sent me a transistor radio up for my birthday. He says, who? I said, <laughs> Carlo Gambino. Is Carlo Gambino gave you a transistor? Yes, yeah. He says, okay, tell me the story. So, and I said, I turned the radio on, and oh, you were doing six shows at the Paramount, right up the block from me. I was in Bellevue, and you were up there. Up there. And I said, you gave me inspiration to get out of there. He said, that's amazing. He said, what's your name? I said, the kid. <laughs> the kid. He said, the kid. I said, no, what's your name? I said, I was told not to tell you that. He said, who told you that? I said, Frank Costello. He said, who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> that's he, he said, Gambino gave you transition radio. <laughs> Costello names you the kid. He's. maybe I should get to know you. You're more important than I am, <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we stayed friends. You know, he baptized my son Luciano. He baptized your oh, son. Oh yeah. Oh, I was I was close to Frank, and then when when they were nominating, when they were trying to get uh, JFK nominated, I was with them every weekend. Yeah. Because he babysat him. Now he and yeah, he was really good friends with
0: JFK. That's well known.
1: Right up till he got, I was at the inaugural. They gave uh, a, a ticket for Costello to go, out of respect. And he said, you want to go? I said, I'll go. I was, <laughs> I was 18. I'm sitting like fourth row, I'm watching. There was f- four presidents, Eisenhower, Nixon, they're all there. Whoa. And he was there, and Lyndon Levine Johnson. And we, I go to all the balls. Frank Sinatra produced all the inaugural balls that time. Mm. Had every major star in the world that backed them. They all wanted to be there. I have the last photograph I gotta send it to you, of Sinatra and JFK together, and he already changed his house. He had he was getting ready to have him come visit him and all that, and that's when he went and stood with uh, Bob Hope. Mm. JFK, uh, Bobby said, "You can't see him no more. You gotta get rid." of That's when they got you know with Marilyn.
0: I was gonna say, weren't Frank and JFK both with Marilyn?
1: Yeah. Everybody was, though. Yeah,
0: it's true.
1: Everybody, unfortunately. Every actor I made a movie with, when they found out I was with her, there was one way of you were with her, you knew you were with her. The scar. Yep. She had that scar.
0: And it was where? It was like where her...
1: Right bird... up, right in her groin right area. by the... Yeah. Who told you about that scar?
0: I heard you talk about that once. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Because yeah, that was scar. the identifier. That's
1: how they ask you. You know, when Brando... He said, I heard you were in Brown. He said, well, I said, uh, how would I know you were there? I said, I know the again. <laughs> Even Tony Curtis, we were doing, because, you know, she she had such low esteem. It was terrible. Mm. You know, she was in an orphanage. That's how her and I hit it off. Cause can you what,
0: tell this story? I know you've told it before on many podcasts, but for people listening who haven't heard it before, can you oh. tell your, your history with her? She's it's crazy because she's been in that picture of her over there has been in both studios since the beginning. It's like my favorite thing in here, but it's kind of wild to be
1: with someone who knew her a little bit. No, I well I got to know her by accident because you know I they, they caught me as a, I was r- doing all the errands and part of my route was you know uh, I went to a, you know cope every night. Uh, Tootshaws was like my place, and then Dempsey's. You know, Jack open. Dempsey's. Jack Dempsey's. That's where they
0: film, the, where Michael gets picked up. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, they had, you know, the, all the all the bookmakers and the bartenders were taking numbers and doing whatever, and I picked them up, bring them to New the, Window Motel. That was part of my duty. So I, I come out of there, and a tour officer comes up to me. He had a brown uniform on him. say, who's this guy? He why aren't you in school? I said, school? <laughs> I was like fifteen. Out of do school. <laughs> I was fifteen, you know. I had I was wearing brioni already. He says, How old are you? I said, I'm fifteen. He says, You gotta be in school till you're sixteen. He gives me a ticket. I'm saying is This guy nuts a what? And you haven't talked to your parents like at all. No. You're not even with them. So he gives me the ticket and I walk into to with him. He says, What are you doing with a ticket? You're walking too fast. It's <laughs> a joke. I didn't even get it. He gets the ticket and he reads it. He says this is a truant's ticket. How old are you? I said, I'm 15. He said, we got to go to school until you're 16. He said, I'll take care of it. So I paid no attention to it. Next morning, I go see him at the, at the Waldorf. office. He said, I took care of that thing. Tomorrow when you go to Dempsey's, 9 o'clock, go upstairs. Wilford Academy is up there, the hairdressing school. I said, I ain't no Fanoke, I don't want to be a hairdresser. (laughs) you crazy. I want to do what I'm doing. He said, no, no, just check in and walk out.
0: So Uh, now- I see
1: why you have great hair now. What?
0: I see why you have great hair now. You know what you're doing, you're a pro.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, so I go there and he said, where would you just come from? Because I had to meet him at 11. I said, I was at the school. He said, you don't have to go, just sign and leave. He said, I said, Frank. Where do you find 30, 40 girls 9 o'clock in the morning? I stayed there. I had my coffee. For them. I was taking them to the Copa. <laughs> I was like a king. That's awesome. But then, I, but fortunately, me staying there, I met Mark Sinclair and Kenneth. Kenneth was already Jackie Kennedy's hairdresser. Well, ah. She used to come in all the time. And... Mark and Claire was a colorist for Claire, or major colorist, but they were partners already. I thought they were partners. They owned the shop together. I didn't know they were lovers.
0: Is this back when she still Jackie Bouvet or Bouvier or whatever? Yeah. Right, right. Shirley because she didn't get married to him until like 53, I think. Right.
1: Yeah. So now, I'm, you know, they're looking for shampoo boys. <laughs> so I'm lined up, you know. I'm, and they see me, they figure, you know, they got going to have my way with me. And I said, yeah, hello. And the teacher told me, if they pick you as a shampoo boy, you don't have to come to here. It counts as your, you know, credits. But you can make tips. And I saw all the cars and limousines there. And I didn't need the tips, but I saw the ladies. The fourth head here was Marilyn Monroe. She just comes in there. She oh. goes there all the time. Lily deche because she was hiding out here, you know. She had great hair too. Right? Oh, yeah, it's pretty good. But she was here. Costello put her in the Waldorf for a year to Frank get. Frank did, uh, yeah. The, yeah, Frank loved her.
0: Yeah, why did he put her in? What do you mean he put her in the Waldorf for a year? Because
1: she lived in California. She wanted to get away from the Xanax. Oh, like because she they were they were prostituting her as a sex symbol. She wanted to be a thespian. She was studying with Strasbourg to be an actress. Yeah, yeah, she was, she was brilliant, very talented. So now she was there. So now I'm shampooing her hair, and I can't believe it. I don't even know how long I'm looking at her. She's <laughs> facing the ceiling. She said, is somebody in here? I said, excuse me, I'm sorry, I go over. I have the card, you know, it tells them the shampoo, the hard shampoo, I'm doing the touch of the water. They, they teach me, is that, is approves it. I start massaging her hair, and she's moaning, and she's in a kimono. I'm 15 years old. I get an erection. Yeah, you're a rock. (laughs) Well, my (laughs) three-piece sets on her shoulder. I must have been poking her in the ear. (laughs) (laughs) Then she started requesting me, (sighs) and (sighs) Costello used to meet Ocardo to go deep sea fishing.
0: Tony Ocardo? In Chicago. Come on. The two bosses are going deep-sea fishing together? That's like putting the president and the vice president on the same plane. That seems a little dangerous to me. A little accident, you know. Whole mobs flipped over. (laughs) No, no, no.
1: But So he said to me that Friday, there's somebody staying upstairs. Check in on them, but don't go up until after 12 o'clock. At the Waldorf. At the Waldorf. I go up. It's her. She opens the door. And she says, Johnny, what are you doing here? <laughs> I said, Well, Mr. C told me to check in on you. This You're not even man. 16 yet, right? Yeah. <clears throat> she said, Come on in. I just ordered room service. I never saw room service carts and food and all this, and you know. And she's got her Terry Claude robe on. She's have breakfast. I said, I already had breakfast. Said, well, have a glass of champagne. I said, I can't have champagne. I'm a kid. She said, you can have anything you want in this room.
2: <laughs> I said, <"Uh-oh." laughs> I
1: have one glass, two glasses. She said, I'm going to take a bath. I said, I'll go downstairs. Just call the front desk. Ask for the kid. They know. She said, no, oh, no, come with me. She takes by the hand. Turns the water on. And she says, at the vanity. She brush out my hair. Well, I've done that a hundred times after the shampoo. So I'm brushing out her hair. She gets up takes me by the hand, goes to the tub, shuts off the water, and drops her robe. Now you're, I mean, you're excited at this point. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. She's, take off your clothes, get in the tub with me. I said, you're going to get me killed. She said, who's going to know? I said, you know what? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Fuck it. Let's do
1: it. (laughs) This was Saturday afternoon. I left Monday.
0: Oh, wow. You had a weekend in Maryland.
1: Hello. There you go. So now I got to meet Costello at 11 o'clock. I time it right, get there, walk in. He said, what the hell happened to you? Did you sleep at all? I said, no, I, I, I can't even. I would not never lie to him. <laughs> I said, I tell you. You can't believe me. So I just sat down. We started our business. And that's how it all started. And then any time she was in, I'd meet her. She'd call me. She'd put a disguise on, go to Subway Bar, go out the back door, walk up. I'd meet her sometimes. And then when she was studying with Strasburg, the studio was on 15th Street, Mm -hmm. right off of Park Avenue. I'd go meet her there. It was like 11 o'clock, and then we'd go and do whatever we had to do. And she died in what, like 60? 60... She died, I'll tell you this one. Can we can we look that up, 60-something? She, she, she was in Calneva.
0: Keep that, pull the mic in a I'm little sorry. bit, see. You're
1: good. She was at Calneva. I was sent to go listen to what was going on. He said, uh, go to Calneva, and that's for you audience don't know. Calneva was a gaming on in Lake Tahoe. On the California border, so you can come in on California and go in. So they had Marilyn Monroe. Right? I think there's pictures in the book of me and her, and uh, and Sinatra sitting poolside. And um, what happened was that they brought her up there because she was she was, John gave her to Bobby, because Bobby said you got to stay away from Marilyn. For the first couple of years, you're a Catholic president. And with that said, they were going to try to hook her up with Bobby. So they had her room set up. This is, this is Sam Jean for like, for like blackmail. Exactly, like um, they did with Jay Hoover. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because
1: Jay Hoover was yeah, a cross-dresser. Yeah. Right, right, right. So unbeknownst to us, we don't know this. Now sun's setting. Mm-hmm. Sinatra's telling them what they want her to do. She goes crazy. I'm not having nothing to do with these Kennedys. They're, they're this, they're that.
0: Is she, she's, she's been divorced. Was she married to Joe DiMaggio? Or did she I was, make that up?
1: That was already gone. Yeah, was was right? Miller was already done. She just did the misfits.
0: Got it. Okay.
1: She starts screaming. She just had an abortion of Bobby's kid. All she ever wanted was a kid. I'm going to the press. I'm going to disclose these these Catholics and this and that and the other.
0: Bobby, not John.
1: Bobby, not John. She stopped doing John she because She the
0: old calf. Now she wanted the young bull. Yeah. yeah.
1: So now I come back to New York. He's tell me what happened. He said they're going to kill her. That was the last weekend in July. They killed her August fourth, nineteen, two sixty-one. When did you pull it up? Sixty-two.
0: Yeah, Sixty-two.
1: Sixty-two. Yep. Whoa. Yep.
0: Now, there's a lot of people who take wild conspiracies on her death. I. It does seem like she was probably killed. I think people take that to two levels. Bobby, it's what in my
1: book. Think? I put it in there. My my publishers, people that don't know the publishing world, they vet everything because they got the deep pockets. They're gonna get sued. I wrote this book three years ago and said, Bobby killed her. Bobby at the time was denying even being in California. There's no way an attorney general could be in California. and Nobody knows about it. So I went to share a booker. And sure enough, Peter Lawford got a ticket that night on Sunset Boulevard. And they looked in the car. Like
0: the singer, Peter Lawford?
1: Peter Lawford was his brother-in-law. Peter Lawford married a Kennedy. Really? You didn't know that? I, hey. I don't remember that. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: So that's why he was always around. So now, not only did they put Robert Kennedy in California, they put her in the house for four hours before they called the ENTs. Now the ENT came close, came together with it. You got to get this guy Mark Shaw on the show.
0: Yeah, that was the guy you were talking about earlier. Okay.
1: This guy has, is he's opening the files again? Whoa. Yeah, she was. I mean, read some of his books. He's he had been well acclaimed, Mark Shaw.
0: Yeah, I have always seen some. They're, very, they're I want to be clear. They're very very different and very different settings. But there's. I don't know why I do this. Maybe it's like who they were, like as a social as like a social symbol and stuff like that. But. There's some odd little parallels always play in my head with like Marilyn Monroe and Princess Diana,
1: you know. Oh yeah. They
0: met. They met an early, brutal end. There's questions. Well, Princess Diana,
1: you know, obviously they said she was pregnant, and the Queen was not going to let that happen.
0: Yeah, that one's sketchy. Oh, oh, okay. All right, we're going to stop real quick. Bathroom break. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. So we left off with with Peter Lawford, the ticket, and Bobby. You said Bobby was up there, and and you're alleging you alleged in the book that Bobby was the one who had her taken out, which is definitely a controversial take. But they no, it's, it, in it's there.
1: Uh, it. Believe me, it's it's more and more now coming out. In fact, there's there's more tapes on it now because there's they did a Netflix four-hour thing on Marilyn.
0: Yes, they did. And they, Who put, played
1: her? and they put in De Palma? They put Bobby in it. They put Bobby was in, the, in her apartment mm. for four hours before the paramedics took her out. He was physically there. Wait, physically in the apartment for four hours. You now the stuff is all coming out now.
0: You know, I always wonder, when you look at power... You look at talent, these different things that get you places in society, right? Mm -hmm. Think about like a dynasty like the Kennedys and all the tragedy that's happened to them. I know. I always wonder about the world and the way it, it has a very mean way of balancing out if there's like a price you pay for, you know, not to oversimplify, but maybe the things you do or the things that your power has you do. You ever think about
1: that? Well, you know, they, I, I've thought about it a lot because, you know, these kids are so privileged. Yeah. And then, But they use it in the wrong way. I mean, look at, I mean, even Ted Kennedy.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: there were so many Chapter unjust. Quiddick? Is
0: that it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: There were so many unjustifiable homicides, so many things that were not proven because of their power. They sweep it under the rug.
0: Yeah. And now you have one running for president again. Like
1: But that I can't believe. I heard him. I had to hear this. So I had somebody send me their YouTube thing <laughs> where he said, quote him, his father woke him up one night to let him know that the CIA killed your uncle. Now, if you do the math, he was nine years old. Why would his father wake up a nine-year-old son to say, I just want you to know the CIA killed your uncle? If
0: that's true and he was nine when that actual conversation happened, I agree, that sounds suspect. (laughs) I do wonder, though, like, some of these people are so disconnected from reality, I could see the lack of a filter system to, you know, why would you tell your nine-year-old that? That's That's the right reaction. But I could totally see... His dad being like, "Yo, yeah, the CIA killed your uncle. Welcome to the family, kid." Like, you know, they don't think like you and me. They don't think, you know what I mean?
1: No, but he's he said his father woke him up. Yeah, I mean, he's not passing at the table, and we're talking about it, and right. he came up. He went deliberately to your bedroom and told you this. <laughs> Was
0: he drunk? Who? That's that's a that's an important question. Was his dad Who's drunk? Pa- I don't know that. No, I didn't, I could totally didn't get see
1: specifics. That. Okay.
0: I mean, that is. I agree with you. That's crazy. Yeah. But, I mean, who knows? I I, I would love to be a fly on the wall in, in some of those houses sometimes, just to see what it's really like. Well, I know Joe
1: is totally insane. Did I heard the father. St- uh,
0: yeah.
1: I heard stories from Frank telling me about it.
0: You know, there's a biographer. I forget his name. Alessi, maybe you can look it up. I think... I hope I have this right. I think he was given permission to do a biography of the Kennedy family, which creates bias, right? Who tried to say that Joe had nothing to do with prohibition and was not in it at all. And that's the exact that was my reaction to It was like, get the fuck out of here. Well, Joe was running was running hooch from Scotland through Canada Everyone, all the way down oh, the coast. I,
1: I, forget about it.
0: Known fact.
1: And and the, 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 I think it was more money than that. Frank Costello told me he made 30 million, 50 million, like that. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And then they, that's when he bought so much property. Because you know, Costello always wanted to be a legitimate guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he went into real estate to try to have that image. And he bought remember, what he owns in Wall Street, you can't believe. Still to today. What, like it like the buildings? Buildings. Yeah. He still owns them. Yeah. My my building's like 60 units. His partners in my bar, where I live. Well, his estate, like his family. Yeah, Frank Costello. No. See what? No, he always used George Wolf. George Wolf was his his lawyer. It was his lawyer since nineteen forty three. Uh-huh. So they created all these trusts and. Got it. Got uh, it. It was not in his name. Did
0: he ever talk about Lucky Luciano no. with you? Never, because they were tight.
1: Oh no kidding. They were really tight. No, but see, my relationship with him and he w- he was actually grooming me to do what I was going to do. Like like get the money, do this, do that, do this, and, but wanted me clean. He didn't he did not want me associated with anybody and that's why he wanted nobody to know my name. You know, most people didn't know my name. Until the Godfather came. <laughs> they always called me the kid. he kid, yeah, hey, kid. The thing is, when you're
0: telling this about, for people at home, as my little mafia historian, historian nerd ass follows some of this stuff, Frank Costello would be the guy that would be like this. Because you're 100% right. He really looked at. He tried to tone down what the mafia did. He wanted to be known – it's exactly like you say. He wanted to be known as a legitimate businessman. So it would make sense that you, being the kid, being around him, he'd be trying to groom you to not be in that. Similarly, this was part of the the calculation when – at least from what I've heard, maybe you can correct this with Vito Corleone, is that the character was kind of a combination of Bonanno, Costello, and Gambino – and both Bonanno and Costello were known for trying to go legitimate. And particularly with Bonanno. Well, even Bill.
1: Bill was educated. Right. He
0: wanted his son to not be in it. No, and then, no. like Michael, he came yeah. in.
1: Very no, the, interesting. The, the situation, I mean, and, and I know it to be true just because of the time I spent with all these people. You know, it, it was... That's why, like we said, did he ever talk to you? I mean, no. Mm. He only talked to me to what he wanted me to do. I'd meet him every day, and then when th- there was other things going on, somebody else would tell me, like Carmine from the Copa, or those guys would say, go here, go there. or all that was not handled by him. And another thing that always impressed me, he went home every night for dinner <laughs> and came back out and was home again by 10, 10.30. Never stayed out late. And he owned the Copacabana. He had to go to first shows and have a second shows. That's some good discipline right there. Oh, no. The, Co- the Copa seems like
0: that just comes up at the middle of every mob story. That was oh, the spot. Oh,
1: what, uh, I remember. I mean, to me, having people carrying their tables over their heads getting, in the middle of the night, bringing people in, ringside. I was, I was privyed. Because of being at the Copa. I was there the night Sammy Davis Jr. was being heckled by this bowling team in Brooklyn. A bowling team in Brooklyn. Was sitting ringside, heckling him, go, dance, do it, do it at him. And the New York Yankees cleared the place. They beat up everybody in the giant. The Yankees, like DiMaggio the Yankee. and them? Yankees, you gotta look, look that up. That's, I mean, you won't believe who some of them were.
0: Yankees, Copa Cabana,
1: major major players, Sammy
0: Davis Jr.,
1: and he swept it under the rug. Whoa, he got it swept under the rug. Nobody got charged. Nobody, and they they that destroyed tower. these guys from Brooklyn. This
0: is the 1957 brawl. Yep. Yeah, right 1957. Here. It's, oh. This is in an article. The Yankees' 1957 brawl at the Copacabana. Every Friday I've been released... Oh, oh, wait, hold on. On this week's, I talked about the eventful Billy Martin. Go down. The Bronx, go down, go down, go down. The Rat Pack versus the Bowlers. Yep. After a World Series loss in 55 and win in 56, the Yankees got off a slow start in 57. Weiss had been campaigning behind the scenes to trade Martin, ba 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 the incident that spelled the end for Billy happened when the gang and their wives were out celebrating his 29th birthday in May. After a booze-filled dinner, they went to see Sammy Davis Jr. at the Copacabana nightclub. Hello, a spot Yankees <laughs> players frequented in the 50s. They encountered a bunch of bowlers who were heckling. Wow, heckling Sammy Davis and the Yankees players were pissed. There were numerous versions of what actually happened, but here's what I've pieced together. Billy told the guys to stop it or they'll have to, quote, step outside, unquote. They actually ended up going downstairs where they brawled. One of the bowlers, a Bronx deli owner, you can't make this shit up, ended up with a concussion and a broken jaw. Some people thought Martin punched the guy, but it was most likely Hank Bauer, and that's who the eventual lawsuit was brought against. Bauer denied ever punching the guy, and the Yankees players never said who actually hit him. Go down a little bit. Do we? Uh, yeah, there. Wow, there's a Daily News. There's a screenshot of a Daily News article. So they I, they kept this enough under wraps that obviously people. You're right. People didn't get in trouble for it, but
1: that's crazy. Nope. Costello had a little. Of course, he did. They called him up. Said we have a problem here. He says, save it to the morning. When did Vinny the Chin try to hit him? Well, that do was you, a joke. Do you
0: remember what year it was? No. Well, I mean, he actually did take 54, one. Fifty-four, I think, wasn't it? Fifty-four. Yeah.
1: Sounds right, is somewhere yeah, in 54. there. Fifty-four. I saw him the next day.
0: Yeah, he had, like, the bandage around his head or something. uh, I don't know if we have a picture of Frank Costello with bandage around his head. You can probably Google that.
1: You know, I I think about that. How does a guy get in an elevator with you and can't shoot you in the head? (laughs) Bad shot. I don't know. Well, no, but three weeks later, I met Chen him. With him. With him.
0: Now, this was the thing where he went in and said, didn't see the guy or whatever. Like yeah, he refused yeah. to turn oh, in yeah, who oh, it was. Yeah.
1: yeah. So couldn't, I didn't remember him. I didn't see him. Now, why didn't, why didn't he whack Vinny the Chin? Why would he? He would never. That's not who he is, man. Mm. No. He'd handle it himself. Wow.
0: No, no, these guys. Because at this time, the other guys weren't like that.
1: Oh, no. They,
0: they would have oh. handled that a different way. Yeah. For sure. Oh, there he is. Yeah, yeah. We'll put that picture in the corner, because Vinny the Chin obviously ended up being a boss of Genevieve's family. Yep. Yeah, with the bathrobes outside yeah. and
1: everything. Oh, that the whole thing was the brother the
0: priest and all that. That was crazy, man. Do you? I in in the years after the Godfather, though. So the movie we didn't talk about this. The the movie comes out in seventy two. and it's, it's an instant hit, and within. I mean, I wasn't alive, but from what I've heard, within a year, people are like, "This is the best movie ever made."
1: Right? Were you getting recognized everywhere you went? Oh my from God! That? Yeah. Even now, even more. So, you know, it's funny now. How many people know me? I constantly hear, "Hey, Carlo, Carlo." <laughs> you know, not my name, yeah, Carlo. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: No, it's it's. Uh... I mean, I again, we. I said it earlier. I don't know if I didn't do that movie, what I'd be doing.
0: Yeah.
1: I probably, you know, I mean, I always made money. That's one thing you had to, you know, and, and I live modestly. I don't gamble. I don't do drugs. I don't do, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in business. I love right. business. You like jewelry and business.
0: That's yeah, it. That's it. That's, that's, a, that's a good love of life. But did did the, you had said, obviously, when you were on set, you kind of kept to yourself a little bit with Brando and everything. But over the years, did the, as the anniversaries were coming up and stuff, did the did the cast get really tighter and bonded through this?
1: No. Not really? No. You know, they, they, they were all so big. I mean, the, 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 look yeah. now. They're all nominated again. All from, of them. I mean, constantly. Yes. So, and then Jimmy's dad. I mean, I was shocked when the New York Post called me when Jimmy Kahn died. That was recently. That was like last yeah. year, right? And they said, we want you to utilize them. Are you kidding me? They said no. I said I don't like the guy. <laughs> they said we want your take on it. It's. A, it's a, they printed it. They printed you saying I don't like. They the guy. No, they printed everything I said about him. What'd you say about him? Well, am just stupid stuff like you know who he was. I mean, I can go lie glorify him now because he's dead. Who cares? Wow. No. no I, I I am I am who I am. I'm this is this is it it's there's no, yeah,
0: yeah, you definitely wear it on your sleeve for sure, Yeah. It's, but uh... but you were telling me before we went on camera when you came back to do the cameo for the end of Godfather Two, where they have a flashback scene. right, you said right. you made more money doing
1: that than the whole first movie, yeah, I got I, well, for the whole first movie, I made thirty eight thousand dollars
0: back then, that's not horrible,
1: not horrible, no, yeah. but it gave me fifty thousand for one day, <laughs>
2: <laughs> better
1: the same budget. thing. <laughs> But Brando, that's why Brando wasn't in the scene, you know. He was supposed it, to be in it, right? He was supposed to be in it, and he felt what they did to him, because they topped him out of a million dollars. He had a percentage, small salary and a percentage, but it topped out at a million. A million dollars. Somebody said, Well, I'm gonna make a million dollars. He could have made four million. Oh, he would have. But they made cut a him whole... out. Yeah. His estate. So that's why he wouldn't paid. go back. I hired him. I I did three movies produced with uh, uh, Michael LaBelle and Andrew Bergman. We did Striptease, Chances Are, and The Freshman. Did you ever see The Freshman? I saw The
0: Freshman, yes. You were the mater d' in that, right?
1: Oh, yeah, but I was a producer. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: No, I was just at the end. I wanted to be in it. Right. No, but we got Brando back to play The Godfather because it was a spoof. And all we had to do was we just couldn't mention The Godfather. That's why every time you're about to say, no, you can't say that. <laughs> Can't call him that, but that movie was a great. We had so it's much fun. a good movie. Oh, that's a good, movie.
0: That's Edward Norton with him, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a good. That's a really good movie. Yeah, it was a good movie. And he was, he was a big boy at that point. What? He was a big guy at that point.
1: Oh my God! Grando.
0: He was a fucking balloon.
1: Yeah. Well, he. I have a house. I'm all alone. I have a house up there. With my two. My two youngest kids will live up there. Between Jack Nicholson. And Malta Brando. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. got a ten thousand square foot house up there.
0: No shit. No, How many not... kids do
1: you have? I've have, <clears throat> I've nine boys, four girls, <laughs> ten grandsons, and six granddaughters. That's a big family, man. That's good.
0: And you have some that live. You were telling me you have some that grandkids that are, live in Italy.
1: Yeah, Italy, Romania. My my son Diametia, his grandmother's Princess Anna, his mother's Princess Bonietoska. And, uh, no, I get, well, I never, I never. Wait, not Princess Anna, who lives in New York now. No, 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 that's another one. Okay, keep going, sorry. No, but my kids, I never dated women who needed their rent paid. They were all from wealthy families, because I had my boat, and I bought a boat when I was 21. I paid $3 million for it. At 21? Yeah, cash. You were running some good errands for oh, fucking yeah, Costello I, over there. Oh, man, no,
0: we made a lot of money, thank oh, God. But I'll bet you did. No, that guy was probably printing fun. money. So you have kids all over the world, and you said you go to Italy like every 90 days? You try yeah. to?
1: I try to. I Where was do you to usually go, go? Where do you usually I go? I go to Sicily.
0: Always Sicily. Always Sicily. Where's your favorite spot in Sicily? Cefaloo. Oh, is beautiful. Yeah. I stayed there a few I days. love Cefaloo. Every time I see those scenes of Michael where they, it's supposed to be Corleone, but they filmed it right outside Tormina, whenever I see that, I get real nostalgic because all those same hills, like I walk through those. Right. It's absolute. Like if people can go somewhere, go there. I,
1: I always tell people that. Yeah. Forget Rome. I mean, you got to see Rome if you never saw it. But my destination... I, I I always said I'd retire there. Who's there? Or or a uh, coast because my, my Navidadan family is over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, right. And they own all of that. I mean, you go to Capri, everything is Russo, Russo, Russo. In fact, uh, Giovanni Russo, my cousin who looks like me, <laughs> he just built a billion-dollar hotel at 80 years old. A billion-dollar hotel. Why. I said, why are you doing this? He said, I wanted to. That's yeah. a good reason. No. He wants to do it? No, but he's selling his island right now for $280 million. He, he owns, has an island? He has an island between the Malfi Coast and Capri. There's one island. He owns it.
0: How big is the
1: island? Oh, I don't even know. Let's I mean, see
0: if we can find it. You, you
1: can find it. Yeah. Is there an island? Giovanni Russo. It's for sale right now. Sotheby's is selling it.
0: Oh, Sotheby's is selling an island.
1: <laughs> <laughs> his island. Oh, my God. Giovanni Russo. Yeah. Biggest landlord in, 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 in And that's your that's your because Russo is like a really common Italian oh, name know. too. Like it's everywhere. No, but you, you can't deny us, haven't I? Yeah. <laughs> Two hundred and sixty-three million. Wow. Hello. There it is. <laughs> you re- those stem cells are working, man. You got a good recall. No, but you know what the funniest thing is? I I have a, I have a a hundred and forty seven foot a Riva. The biggest river. To, a what? Uh, Arriva. That's what you named it, like Arriva? No, it's a Ariva. R I V A is the name of the boat. Oh, it's a manufactured boat.
0: Oh, okay. It's a, that's I don't know about boat companies
1: boat. that well. Big boat. You have a hundred forty-seven foot boat. I paid three million for cash. It's wow. worth more than. That. It's worth now a hundred. Uh, it's worth six hundred thousand dollars a square foot. Mind right. Wow. The boat's all wood. Wow. I keep it in Madeira, Spain. You keep it in why Spain? Because. It has no reciprocity with nobody. (laughs) Oh,
0: that's right. It's very hard to get and hear right about that. I've had some guys talk about that on the podcast. No, no, no. Do you have any projects coming up besides some of the business stuff you talked about? You doing any acting ever again?
1: I want to do my book, obviously. I came up with a great idea. We have some people with it. I want to be telling my grandsons my story. Oh, that's cool. And I think that's a good way to go in and out of it. It's good for my ego. It keeps me in it. I don't want nobody to do my life story but me yeah i will have younger ones you know and but that's i, I just want to do you know. that's awesome i'm I'm shocked how well this this book has been received the one you wrote in 2019?
0: yeah yeah it's a great cover by the way I like that sure and and like I said earlier, we will have this link down in the description below, but you also i i think we were talking about this before camera you own. You might have mentioned this quickly. You own Genco, too? Yeah. Like, yeah. you bought the name Genco, like Genco Olive Oil yeah, from the movie? Yeah, own it. But Paramount didn't even own it. Do, I, do you do any, like, olive oil stuff with I that? I got all
1: of it. Go, go up, pull up, uh, pull up, because uh, you'll see it's on the website. Quarterly owned Fine Italian Foods. You and you have the, Genco underneath that? I got the label. I got the label, oh. the yeah. can from the movie. I own the can that you saw that when he went over there, De Niro. There it is. There's Jenko. There's a Cairns, too.
0: Wow, I might have to buy that. That's great. Oh, that looks so it cool. You. And you own this likeness. That is there, fucking there's crazy.
1: Hello, Jenko. <laughs> look at that. And and that's the vodka. That vodka is now number one vodka in the world by the Rob Report. By the ro-
0: the Rob Report said that's the number one vodka in the world right now.
1: November twenty second. Number one. Number one in the world for martinis. Okay, oh from Martin
0: okay all right we're gonna have to try that out we're gonna order some of this stuff unless they see how it is yeah. put it to the test that's crazy man you should you ever you ever call up your buddy bobby and say i'll throw you a few he's oh, going no, through a divorce right now i mean times are hard
1: wait you're driving me back right yeah, 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 yeah. I'll Unless give you a couple bag. of bottles of vodka. Let's go. Let's go.
2: Oh, a little cheers. vodka in the car.
0: Don't get a Dewey on the way there. That's uh, not good for the business, but, no, no, you know, I can't do that. We'll, we'll be all right. Well, listen, Johnny, this was awesome, man. It was a real honor to talk with you. No, thank you. Please. It's It's crazy, like, the little kid in me right now who grew up watching The Godfather more times than you can count, sitting across from a guy who not only was a part of it, but was a key part of it. It's unbelievable and, and I can't believe that movie is over fifty years old. Like fifty two this year.
1: It would it would pass today. It's oh, yeah. that good. And it's still doing it. Oh my god. It's so funny. They just renewed all the licensing again for another ten years with AMC, all the all the channels. We're in seventy three countries. Do you get royalty checks at all? From Hello. Them? Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> I get two producer and actress. Pays to know the right people. That's oh, that's yeah.
0: what that's what we learned today. But listen, sir, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, you kidding? Pleasure, my pleasure. All right, thank you, Alessi. Thanks as always for helping put this together. Everybody else, you know what it is. Give it a thought. Get back to me. Peace. Thank you for watching this episode, guys. If you haven't already, please smash that subscribe button and hit that like button on the video. It is a huge, huge help to getting our videos into the algorithm on YouTube. So thank you to everyone who does that. And also, if you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can get me at Julian Dory Podcast for daily exclusive clips that we put out from the show or on my personal page at Julian D. Dory. The links are in the description below. See you guys for the next one.